G'day, Star Masters, AOS Coach here, and it is part two of our Seraphon discussion. Previously, we had a conversation with Basil around all things coalesced, and I'm joined by Theo Papa Christodoulou, Christodoulou, um, top tier Seraphon player based out in Sweden, Six Nations representative, and a conduit to the old ones. And Theo is going to give us a bit of a tour and kind of some early thinking around how he's looking at the Starborn side because we didn't touch Starborn. We talked about the jungle lizards. We talked about carnosaurs and monstrous rampages, but we are talking about celestial uh, summoning points and uh, maybe a little engine of the gods. But um, <laughs> I want to talk a bit about our manifestations, our celestial demons and how do we think they're going to go in the current book? But before we get into that, Theo, welcome. G'day. Introduce yourself. Hello, everybody. Um, nice to see you guys. Uh, my name is Theo. I'm uh, based in the west coast of Sweden, so uh, living in Gothenburg. So, yeah, rocking out with the cutthroat west coast Swedish meta over here. And, um, yeah, been doing a lot of lizards. Mostly has always been my main army. Been doing a little bit of Sylvaneth now, waiting for the new book. but ah, not as cool as the lizards, of course. So, yeah, looking forward to getting into the new book and I think especially the Starborn side for sure. Starborn is very cool, but probably very different. It's probably the most amount of change compared to, like, Coalesced is Coalesced. Like, it's it's yeah. monsters, it's it's dinos, you've got some cool things. but And obviously the Saurus got an upgrade. But when I looked at the Starborn side, there are so many changes across the board, both on the War Scrolls, in the Allegiance abilities, and even just the way they play on the table. So and they're still very magic heavy, but... Um, I'm really curious to hear from you as a top-tier player, how are you looking at the new book? But before we get into that, Theo, what got you started? What what kicked off your Seraphon journey? I mean, I think it's the old classic story, right? You know, teenager walking into the Warhammer store, seeing all these cool lizards and uh, just saying I could rock out to those guys, right? So that's how I got started. So I started collecting when I was quite young, I guess, like, 12, 13, 14 years old, uh, but it just ended up painting, you know, a few lizards. And then uh, after that, uh, they were sitting on um, one of my shelves, didn't use them too much until uh, about two years ago when I started picking up, actually playing Age of Sigmar for like the real first time, really trying it out competitively. So I, um, yeah, it was almost exactly two years ago now. I uh, sort of happened upon a... Um, an open one-day tournament at a local club here in Gothenburg, which I'd never heard of. So I'm like, oh, I'll just hit those guys up and see if I can join them. You know, it'll be fun, surely, right? It won't be too bad. So I just hit them up and I went there and I just ended up having such a great time. And um, yeah, ever since then, I'm, I'm stuck playing Sigmar and uh, most of the Seraphon. It's uh, not a bad place to be stuck in, to be honest. And um, Seraphon is one of those armies that... Um, it's I'm so glad they got a bunch of new models because like if I'm new and I walk into a store and I'm looking at like all the models, like surely Seraphon is one of the armies that people just drawn to. Like they love the dinosaurs, they love the the models, they look easy to paint and yeah, um yeah. The new models are cool, and we will talk War Scrolls. We will talk new uh, new models because I'm curious to hear from you. What are you thinking about our new kits? Yep. But 
talk to me about Starborn for a second, because I want to know a little bit about Starborn, and then I'd love to hear your thoughts around what you've noticed in the new book. But yeah. imagine I'm I'm new to Seraphon. Maybe I'm kind of like just getting my hands under the under, under the bonnet. What's this? What's the Starborn version, and how is it different to Coalesced? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, for quite a while now, um, GW has been dividing, pretty much dividing up the book into two different parts. So you'll have the coalesced side, which are supposed to be these sort of feral, earthy kind lizards who are just like uh, living in a jungle and, you know, ravaging, doing their stuff. And then their other counterpart, which is the Starborn. So they're supposed to be more of the the great thinkers, right? The, the space lizards. So they instead fly around in their flying temple ships and uh, slants conjure up old memories of Seraphon. So way more spacey, way more... Uh, and you, it, it reflects as well on the tabletop where, you know, the coalesced army is way more, you know, about playing really positionally, taking up space on the board, uh, really getting up there, brawling with the enemy, while Starburn is way more about sort of outsmarting your opponent. You have to you have teleport, you have summoning, um, they used to be order demons from the start where everything was bravery 10. I don't know how that happened, but now they're cowards, but they're teleporting cowards. So really cool, cool guys. <laughs> they're, they're, I, I do remember the old law where it was like the uh, manifestations of a, a mem remember or yeah. like a memory. And that's how they kind of became manifested. But yeah, yeah. now they are <laughs> much more much more real but yeah. uh but they're more about as you mentioned uh, a lot more magic a yeah. lot more shenanigans like deep striking and uh summoning and they are definitely more about these things called a node that we will talk about yeah. very soon as opposed sure, to sure. the big carnosaur the yeah, big yeah. stegodon the big yeah. the monsters the things that just want to bite you in combat you are yeah, yeah. less of the combat yeah they're way more lasery than they are bitey as they call it stars so yeah, big big difference, what? and especially especially in the new book, I'd say, uh, effectively two different armies in the same book. I mean, the the changes are massive, and it really defines your army whether you pick coalesced or starborn. Um, yeah, yeah, and the and the cool thing is is that you can still play with all of your toys. Like, yeah. um, if you have a carnosaur and you want to run a carnosaur, you absolutely can put it in starborn. It's not like it's keyword locked, but when you look at the rules, as Theo's mentioning, it is rewarding you to a particular build and keywords and archetypes. And yeah. it, 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 you could still pl play your toys the way you want to play with them, but it's set, certainly a certain way. What is that way, Theo? How, how, how is a Seraphon Starborn player do I play? Yeah. So, I mean, it's changed a lot since the last book. Uh, the last book, I'd say, was very sort of... Uh, front heavy with shooting like you could really really ham like really hammer down on your enemy with like a bunch of range shooting you'd teleport in the brick of skinks you'd shoot everything you charge it in and you sort of finesse around with some extra magic on top of that um where now almost all shooting is gone there's not a lot of shooting left in the army which is very strange to do like to have to think about as a Seraphon play because you know we've been used to the skinks, the salamanders, the stegadons, the bustilladons. All the little skink heroes used to have little blowpipes which could shoot. Pretty much all of that's just it's all gone. And the new flavor now it basically is in Starborn, it's the magic heavy side, and in Coalesce, it's the fighty 
bitey side of the book. So way more about magic now in the new book rather than the shooting, which was the old Seraphon book. Can I just clarify something? Um, when you say gone, we're not talking about removed. So, and, and I want to I want to double down on this in a second. Yeah. Uh, very corporate speak here on a Friday night. Yeah. Because you did lose like eight war scrolls. There were war scrolls yeah. that were lost, yeah. but you didn't yeah. you didn't lose the shooting. It's just yeah. the way that you play at the incentives and the build structure of your army is not in the old way, which was 30 skinks doing mortal wounds on sixes, uh, retreating out of combat. Yeah, uh, yeah. You didn't care about bravery because you were bravery 10. It's not that that's gone. It's just no. that the rules have changed and it, there's less incentives to run the blowpipes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the biggest difference for sure for the starborn side is the skink change. I'm sure we can talk about it later with the war scrolls. Let's talk um, now. Let's talk now. Talk yeah, to me now. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so... The old way of playing Starborn, at least towards the end now, when I was running Starborn, I was running a lots and lots and lots of skinks. Like I was running 80, 90 skinks. I was running 230 blocks of them with double star priest. They would both have the mortals. One of them would get the run, shoot, and charge. The other you teleport and you just roll 120 dice in the shooting phase with your skinks. You deep strike some extra camels to some more. Um, and you just start your round by just picking off every hero the enemy had. Um, now the skinks lost uh, the effect to have two shots when they're more than 15, which used to have. So now they're only one shot with the blowpipe. Um, still good, but it was twice as good <laughs> in the old book. So, um, so that's a huge difference to the shooting power. Um, the other key change is, like I said, all the skink heroes used to have a little blowpipe. It's not a lot, but you know, when you're running three, four skink heroes, it can make a difference having you know those eight shots, uh, especially if you have cursed the enemy where you do mortals and sixes. Um, so the shooting power has gone down a lot. It's still there, but way less drastic like before. Like it's really not as strong as before. Uh, but they've compensated by giving it extremely much more magic proficiency. Like magic power is strong now. Really good. All right. It's been, we've been talking for like just under 10 minutes now, and you've mentioned magic many times. Yeah. I, we will bring up the rules soon and we'll unpack this a little more for the people who haven't quite gotten into the weeds just yet. But when you looked at this new book, Theo, what did you notice had changed between the old book to the new book? So you've mentioned magic has improved. You have yeah. mentioned shooting is less of a key strategy to you and reinforcing those skinks to be 20 and 30 block skinks. What else did you notice from like play style, uh, whether it is like the way you look at your list or you mm. build a list? Like, what did you notice? So I for sure noticed that it's got way more tricks up its sleeve nowadays. Like there's so many different possibilities for everything. Um, you have way more access to the summoning pool than before. So you have much more. You have a much big grand, bigger choice to of what, what you want to summon and what you need for your specific battle. Um, you have way more different kinds of movement shenanigans in different phases and startups and all that kind of jazz. Um, and you also gained a few extra abilities which you can use in your hero phase. Um, so I, way more tricks, I'd say. The old book was sort of more straightforward. Like you had your teleport, which didn't even have basically any restrictions, you just, you went, oh, I'll pick this unit up, you picked it up, and you place it wherever the hell you wanted, just as long as you were outside of nine of your enemy. Now there's a few more restrictions on the teleport, but, and we'll get to it later, um, it is way stronger for another reason than for uh, the restrictions that it now has. 
before I ask you about some of the maybe the glow ups or even glow downs, um, yeah. I, I want to acknowledge our thoughts and prayers. We lost eight friends, uh, yeah. being the Saurus Eternity Warden, the Scarvet, uh, old on um, cold one. You lost your skink priest. That one, that one's going to hurt you. Uh, yeah. You know, you lost your skink priest. You lost your Saurus knights that you didn't use very often in the starborn ah. side. No. Chameleon skinks, uh, razor dons, and yeah. we'll talk a bit about the new version of the razor don. Yeah. Um, but when you look at those eight units, did that hurt you at all? Like, are these things that were critical to your list, at, or now that you've lost them, are, are you thinking about how you compensate or work around them? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, let's start with the obvious one, right? So the Skink Priest. I, oh, I, I, feel... you, I thought you, you were going to say Source Knights. I thought the you source, yeah, yeah. were going to say that. Yeah. That was critical yeah. to my success. No. Skink Priest. You know, I, I feel personally attacked, I want to say, uh, with the removal of the Skink Priest. I mean, that guy was my best friend. Had him in every list. I sometimes ran two of them in the same list uh, because they they just did everything. They were I mean, cheap. They were yes. dirt cheap. Yep. They, yeah, they were cheap. They, they were priests, so they could they had access to the curse spell, which is a curse um, prayer, which is really big. They had access to give out plus one to hit, which wasn't only in the combat or shooting phase, but stayed until the next hero phase. So you could have it in the shooting phase when you unleashed hell, in the combat phase, and in the next combat phase and shooting phase. It was insane. And then on top of that, it also gave out run, shoot, and charge, and plus one to save uh, with an ability. Um, so wasn't it like 60 points as well, like something ridiculously cheap, 60 or 70? Yeah. yeah, it started out something like that. I, th I think it went to 80, and I was like, I don't give a shit, I'm gonna, still gonna play two of them. Then it went out to it ended on 120, I think, or something, 110. Uh, where okay, now you're just bringing one, but you're still bringing him every single game. There's no way you're leaving without him, so that's a big change. Uh, the king priest being on, big change, and the complete loss of priests is a big change because you used to have access to both the skink priest and the engine, which you still have, but it's not a priest anymore. No, no. And I was going to ask you about that. So you've lost the ability to be a priest, right? So there's no yeah. priests. There are no native priests in Seraphon. Yeah. How does that impact you? So I've heard curse. You've lost curse and curse. If people don't know, go look at your general's handbook or your core, uh, core rule book. It's one of the universal uh, prayer selections where you could deal mortal wounds, but it was always short range. It was like yeah. picking a target within nine inches. So yeah. it was never was guaranteed, but when it worked and you had volume of attacks, yeah. boy, did it slap. I used to love it on my daughters that came witch elves, right? Because three attacks on a witch elf, the volume yeah. of, of, of attacks, I'm going to spike on a bunch of sixes. Yeah, and it used to combo really well with the old Starborn ability, which was Parting Shot, which was you could unleash all of your blowpipes and then on a four-up you ran away. So even if the enemy wanted to come at you and charge you, there's a 50% chance you're just going to stand there afterwards, do nothing. It's my turn. Let me try and curse. Oops, okay, you're cursed. Now you're not going to have a great time when the skinks get to shoot again with curse. No, but but <laughs> other, other than losing curse, Theo... Has it impacted you, uh, like, you know, removing uh, endless invocations like uh, the yeah. Fire Slayers one or the Daughters yeah. of Cain one? Like, how else has losing the priest hurt you? Or is it just curse? It's curse, and then it's uh, dispel, or what's it called? Like, removing the invocations. That's the dispel, I think, still. Anywho, removing the invocations, right? I think it's ban banishment. Banishment. Oh, banish. There you go. Yeah, you, right. you banish. I banish. So, yeah, so that was really good because... 
you basically always had a use for it, right? Like either you had it really far back, just waiting for your opponent, they would chuck out a random prayer and you'd banish, banish, banish. They came close, now it's time for the curse. So you, they were always active, they were always contributing, right? And um, just having access to banish is really, really strong because not all armies have priests at all. Like, a lot of armies can't even, not only do they lack it in their army, but they, they even lack the ability to even ally in a priest. Um, so plenty of armies can't even use it at all. And there's a lot of strong invocations out there that are great to uh, remove. I mean, I, I've, I have my great friend, Konstantinos Kellis, who, who plays corn. Uh, he never leaves home, or at least he didn't used to, without those bloody damn disgusting the skulls. The hex gorgeous skulls. The, yeah. um, the fire slayers have a grand strategy tied to their um, yeah. their, their invocations. Yeah. Daughters yeah. of Cain with a heart of fury. So yeah. what I'm yeah. hearing is you've lost the ability to remove those or banish yeah. those um, invocations, yeah. yes. as well as obviously curse, uh, as well as some of the other things. And obviously the benefits of the skink priest. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but the the priest keyword being removed is is quite big, I'd say. Uh, have you uh, felt the impacts of any other loss? Obviously, uh, the salamander has been replaced by the spawn of Chotek, which mm -hmm. I, I I quote I quote there like I use a quotation yeah. mark yeah. because yeah. it's it fills the same role. It's just a different war scroll. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, I like the spawn of Chotek. I feel like I still feel like I'm playing a salamander, only slightly different, right? Um. It's fun. Um, we can talk more about the spawn later. We but, will, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I don't really miss the old salamander. I mean, I miss the old, old salamander, but that's a different story. But the, the latest version, uh, I'd like the new spawn. Yeah. But what I'm what I'm hearing from you is mostly the units that you lost, the Eternity Warden, the Sora Sunblood, the uh, Scar Veteran on Cold One. Most of these you haven't really been impacted. It's no. it's just the no. in the Starborn side. It's the yeah. uh, the uh, the Skink Priest that probably has yeah. hurt probably the yeah. most. I'd say yeah, you could probably just sort of chalk it down to the Skink Priest for the Starborn side and the Knights for the Coalesced side. Because the Knights were still really good, especially with the Star Priest. Like you could rule a bucket of die. And so I'd say those two for either side are probably the most impactful. All right, well, let's put that to the side. They're in the grave yep. now. Nagash yeah. can raise them in a future Soul Blight book. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> imagine, imagine undead, like uh, oh, no. that, that's good. that'd be cool. Yeah, the, the, soul, the soul bites do need a priest. They're not strong enough right now. No, well, Nagash used to have a, a priest <laughs> like for like two weeks. Yeah. But let's talk new stuff, right? Not new, new, yeah. new stuff. But yeah. has there been any war scrolls that you thought, man, they've now gotten good? Because there's been a lot of war scroll changes, right? Monsters changes? getting, yeah. yeah, like monsters getting mm -hmm. like extra wounds or better to hit or rend or extra damage or more consistency. The Bastillodon now doesn't degrade, although it's lost its one-up armor save. Like, there's a lot of incremental yeah. changes across yeah. the War Scrolls. Yeah, for sure. Has there uh, been anything that's kind of stood out for you? I think they've done a great job in bringing up, I guess, the floor of, like, the worst units are now way closer to the best units. But uh, the really, really, really top units have maybe come down a little bit. So I, I'd say the internal balance is way more interesting. You really have a huge book of units to choose from where a lot of them can be used competitively. I'd say from the big glow-ups, uh, I mean, I think I have to talk about Lord Croak, big glow-up. Uh, I think I'd say probably the Oracle, technically not the Oracle itself, but with how the new Starborn works, 
that Oracle has gotten really good. Mm -hmm. And then uh, from glow ups, guards, I think, good glow up for sure. Now they can bodyguard everything, which was yes. one of the weaknesses, I'd say, of especially Starborn, where you had a lot of small supporting pieces. They could easily get picked off. Now you can bodyguard your entire army. Can I just say, though, can I just say that it's a crying shame that, that the Saurus uh, kit is not a dual kit to be yeah. Temple Guard as yeah. well. Like, yeah. like yeah. when you now compare the, the, uh, the Temple Guard to the Saurus Warriors, it's chalk and cheese. It's like, come on, man. Like, yeah. release a dual kit and give me yeah. new Temple Guard. Yeah. I'm with you. I mean, the new Saurus are super dope. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to trying those out as well. Not in Starborn, probably. And Coalesce, maybe. <laughs> yeah. You, you wouldn't use the new Saurus, even though they've gotten extra wounds. And obviously, the bite stuff's not going to impact you. But even the extra wound, like, they now have a, a very clear difference between Skinks and, and Saurus. I'd say Saurus are really good in Starborn. But the flavor of Saurus is really important here. And it's the guard flavor that is a good version in Starborn. Especially because you can summon in 10 of them. Uh, with summoning points, which I think is a really solid summoning option. All right. I'm going to bring up the rules in a second, but I do yep. want you to explain, though. I'm not going to let you go until you tell me, why do you like Croak? Like, what what is the glow up within Croak that has now yep. made him more interesting? Yeah. So um, if we start with just the War Skull, there's a few things that, you know, I think when a casual player uh, or someone who isn't too familiar with Seraphon reads the scroll, they're going to say, oh, wait, isn't this just the same croak as before? And mm, pretty much, but there are a few really important changes. And the first big change that we have to talk about is the change to Celestial Deliverance. Celestial Deliverance is his War Scroll spell. Uh, you get to pick three units uh, within 12 of him. They each suffer D3 mortal wounds. Now, uh, you can cast this spell as, as many times as you want. So Croak is a forecast, meaning he can use Celestial Deliverance four times. So he could pick 12 targets to all take D3 Mortal Wounds, which is a disgusting amount of Mortal Wounds. Uh, now, how this differs is it gained an extra two-inch range. And while not very obvious that two inches makes a big difference. It makes quite a big difference when it's measured, you know, from a quite a big model and you measure out, you know, like the circle will grow exponentially. Like it, so those two inches already make quite a difference. Um, uh, I'll be honest with you. Like I'm looking at my notes. I didn't actually call that out. I called out that you can cast it multiple times. And in the yeah. old book, you could always cast it multiple times, but the spell got harder. It was like seven, eight, nine. Yes, it was cast um, on nine. And you could only do it up to three times. Now you can yes, do it up to yeah. four times. And with and extra caveat that you would have to roll a two plus. Correct. Yeah, that, that's the other part yeah. is that you had to yeah. roll a two plus to do the mortals. Now yeah. it's just straight through. So now it's just but straight I, through. I, I missed the I missed the two inch extra. So I, mm -hmm. I even I missed that. I go through the book like yeah. line by yeah. line. So yeah. uh, it's an interesting one. Yeah, for sure. And then he also just gained a little bonus ability it, just for free. Uh, when someone wants to fight you at the start of the combat phase, uh, close to croak. So if they're within twelve. Um, basically, they have to pass a bravery check if they fail it uh, with 2d6. And then if you fail it, they get strike last. So now all of a sudden, you're maybe bringing, let's say, 10 guards along with your croak. They want to get into you. If they're not that brave, well, 
looks like you're getting Tyrannosaurus Guard into your face before you even get to fight me. Um, so a really strong ability that he just got for free. Uh, yeah, that, that's the Golden Mask of Death, or sorry, the Golden Death Mask. Yeah. Um, the other one that I thought was really interesting, and it's more about me, less about you, but Croak is now under 400 points, yeah. which as a ally option, because previously I could never ally him in. He's always too expensive. But now I think he's like 395. As an yes. ally, if yeah. we go into a Magic Dom meta, if, if the next general's handbook is all about magic, I'm now stroking my beard thinking, does Lord Croak come into my, uh, my Stormcast mm. Eternals? And yeah. very well, maybe yes. Yeah. Uh, he's... It's interesting, but the only thing with allying in Croak is that I'd say he has a very, a, a very strong ability, but also very apparent weakness, which is the fact that he's not killed like normal characters. Um, basically, at the end of any phase, you tally up how many wounds you were supposed to take, then you roll three d six. If the wounds and the three d six all total up to, uh, I think it's eighteen, not twenty, um, he's automatically slain. And when you're allying him in, then you cannot bring any guard with you. Means meaning that if you ever take it's nine wounds. If you take nine wounds, there's fifty percent chance he just dies. Yeah, uh, it's not a very feel good moment to have to take that role where you're like, okay, you've shot me with three <laughs> three stormcast crossbows. Let me see if he dies. Fifty percent chance. Um, so that's yes. the only weakness I'd say as an ally. Absolutely. And as a Starborn player, you are always bringing in your Astralith Bearer. You're always bringing in yeah. the Temple Guard to protect yeah. him. Um, yeah. You're always got the, the posse. You're right. When you ally him in, I just like the idea for the first time I can actually do it. Now, yeah. do I want to? Probably not because I lose so much, as you said. Um, yeah. I, I don't get the Warmaster stuff. I don't get the spell law that he knows. Yeah. Yeah. And but but it's it's a potential option for people who may be looking for some more magical supremacy um, if we move into a different meta. But is yeah. it still four hundred points? He's still four hundred points. I'd say the Slan is a very yeah. possible uh, magic dom ally which you can bring in. Um, he still has. You still get to roll your little dice for extra command points, which is great. But uh, you don't get Comet's Call. You yes. don't get Comet's Call. That's the problem. I, I do yep. it with my Storm, Stormcast. Because yep. yep. Comet's Call got removed off the War Scroll. It doesn't hurt you as a Starborn player nearly as much as the Coalesced because Coalesced has now lost access to Comet's Call completely. It's yep. not in the spell law. For sure, for sure. I think if but. you're bringing the Slan, either of the Slans as allies, you're doing it for sort of the magic supremacy, not for the mortal wound output that you used to be able to take them, for example, in the Stormcast, where they could cast Comet's Call and all its jazz. And and there was a window in time where uh, you didn't need to be a Stormcast wizard to cast yeah. the Ever Everblaze Comet. Yeah. Now they fix that up. So but anyway, this yeah. is not the Stormcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's some fun thinking, and it's like, oh, if only I could do this. And um, anyway. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So we've got our Starborn rules, and people, if you haven't got your book yet because it's locked in the limited edition book and you haven't got it, you're waiting for general release, or maybe you haven't seen my preview yet, I'm going to give you the high-level overview, and then Theo is going to tell me, as a competitive player, does this even come into play? Uh, is it important to list building? How does he think about it? So Theo, at the top of the video, said it feels like two different armies, and that's very true, right? 
the way Seraphon works is you don't have a general allegiance ability and then like you break it down. You have two core options. You either are starborn or you are thunder. Uh, you're starborn or coalesced. Yeah. So, um, so we're now starting at the starborn side, our wizardy, uh, summony type abilities, uh, yeah. as opposed to our jungle monster biting friends. So you've got a bunch of rules here, uh, the first one being the Lords of Space and Time. We're going to pause on the two sub-factions because I'll actually mm -hmm. have their rules. I'll have their rules later. Yep. But you got Lords of Space and Time where basically at the start of the hero phase, at the start of your hero phase specifically, yep. you can carry out um, one of these two additional heroic actions, um, but they must be done by a slan. So your skinks, every other hero can't do it. It has to be a slan. Uh, that would be including Croak. Um, Croak would have the Starborn Slan keyword. Yep. Uh, one being the uh, so anyway, you can you can read it there, right? So um, you can replace one of the spells from the Law of the Celestial Domination, which is the Starborn spell law, yep. or you can basically do a teleport. So uh, you pick a, you pick another friendly Starborn unit, wholly within twelve inches. You can set them up on the battlefield outside of nine from enemies. So. Do you like this? Is this something you use often? Which of the two do you choose? Talk to me about Lords in Space and Time. For sure. So yeah, the let's start from the top. So the contemplation of the old ones, uh, the ancient ones. Sorry. So this is this is the old rule which slans used to have in the old book. All slans could do it basically. Uh, at the end of your hero phase, you just picked your chosen spell and you said, "I don't want to use it anymore. From now on, I'm going to use this spell," and you just replaced it. Um, which is really strong. I mean, it allows you to play very flexibly. Like you could you could swap out whatever you need. Most of the time, you'd start with the Stellar Tempest, which was a Horde Killer spell. And then if you played against something that didn't have Hordes, you just swap it out. So great flexibility. Now, the problem with this ability, I'd say, isn't that it's bad. The ability is, is fine. The problem is that you have to choose between either this or the transportation. Um, so, and in when in doing so you will probably always go for the translocation right so yeah. this happens at the start of the hero phase which is a very 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 important distinction to make from the old teleport which used to happen at the end of the move phase uh, meaning you can now teleport casters and also skink wizards uh, allowing your slants to cast through them um, in the hero phase uh, so you no longer have to set up your next turn's hero phase. You can now do it at the start of your own hero phase, uh, which is a really big distinction. So, so it's a good that that particular is a good change. Yes, it's costing you a heroic action, but when it happens, being in the hero phase is much more beneficial because you can teleport a a, a wizard or a hero into buff ranges, into a casting range, into setting up. Yep. For a, uh, but it does mean that they can't move. So uh, yep. you can't teleport them outside of nine, just outside of nine, then move in and charge into combat. You're still yep. doing a nine-inch charge. Yep. There is actually a way, but we can get to that later. Just at the moment, at the yep. moment. That's, that's um... <laughs> But yeah, for sure. So it's way more limited than the old version. Old version was just pick something up, put it nine away. Now we have to be wholly within the slan, and it also has to be at the start of the hero phase while... Uh, good that it's in the start of hero phase. It's also harder because you will have to effectively be there at the start of the hero phase. You cannot walk into the range and then teleport them, for example, like you can with the Sylvanith Wildwoods. 
I'll, I will just call out really quickly before I let you continue. Um, the contemplations of the of the ancient ones, yep. you're not going to use with Croak because Croak yep. knows the entire spell law. So yep. put that to the side. You don't need yep. to worry about that. It is only the Slan. And as we previously mentioned, the Slan lost Comet's Call. Yeah. So um, when we get to the spell choices, I'll be curious yeah. to see, is your first spell choice going to be Comet's Call just to get it back? Or are you doing something else? So we'll pause that one till we get yeah, to the spell. For sure. That, for sure. For um, sure. I think the contemplation of the ancient one's pretty obvious. It's replace the spell. Cool. If you need it, you need it. If not, yeah. um, it's you don't. great. It's a, it's a free rule, uh, basically. So if it's needed, you have the flexibility to use it. Um, are, are you often are you often using the translocation uh, compared to say you know finest hour uh, generating a command point you know any of the other ones? I'd I'd say every round. I'd say you always want to teleport something. I think very rarely is it better to have one command point or chance even at an extra command point versus choosing from the entire board uh, to place an important piece. Um, so I mean, this really defines the army, the spatial translocation. Um, yeah. Obviously, the games and your opponents and your battle plans are all going to vary. But what's some examples of things that you would translocate often? Are you translocating your heroes? Is it something like your chaff screens? Like, Give me a couple of examples where this is actually being used more than others. Yeah, I'd say first option is probably just basic skinks. Is a great option because just um, they're pretty. They're on small bases, so you can usually cram them in wherever you need them. Uh, they're not very expensive, meaning you can be quite, uh, I guess, daring with them. Uh, you can put them way forward, way up in the enemy space, and you won't care too much if you do lose them. Uh, and um, there are ten of them, so meaning you can usually yoink. Uh, an objective because it's not very often that you have 10 or more on an objective so just having that flexibility is great so i think just basic skinks is great and then which i guess we'll have to talk about later the the new obvious teleport is of course the oracle uh, which lets your slants cast spells measured from the oracle anywhere on the board and since it, this teleport now happens at the start of the hero phase as opposed to the movement phase you now have a chance to pick them up, place them where you need them, and just go to town with your spells. Cool. Yeah. So put that to the side um, because we also have cosmic power. And uh, we've alluded to this a few times, but um, one of the big parts of your ability is going to be through cosmic power yeah. slash cosmic power points. So let's start the party at the cosmic power. So when you are starborn, not coalesced, um, basically the following units are going to be known as nodes. Okay, quotate this mark. So if you are a starborn wizard, if you are a starborn astrolith bearer, or your starborn engine. So the realm shaper engine has different rules if you are coalesced or starborn. That's different between the last books, right? Cool. We got that. So our Astralith Bearer, our Wizards, our various Wizard options, and the Realm Shaper engine. Now, throughout the battle, you're going to generate cosmic power points. So not to confuse with the nodes. The nodes are like basically yes. like these are cosmic power points. So if you've ever seen corn generate blood tie, you've ever seen uh, Slanesh generate depravity, imagine a similar concept. 
So you start off with zero cosmic power points, and then um, at the start of your hero phase, you can receive one cosmic power point for each friendly Starborn Wizard and Starborn Ashleaf Bearer on the battlefield. And then in addition, you generate extra cosmic power points for each successful um, spell cast that is not unbound uh, and a successful unbind uh, or a uh, successful dispel of an endless spell via a starborn wizard okay so there was cosmic power points in the old book just generated very differently theo what is going on here how is it different and why is this important yeah so it's it's quite a big change i'd say um Mm. the old version was still strong but the main problem was that you had to sacrifice something in order to get it the old version was when it's your time to cast a spell with, I think it was a slan or an oracle, um, you could forego one spell and roll a die, and you'd get d3 summoning points, basically. Uh, but what that meant is, since you always wanted summoning points, because why wouldn't you want summoning points? It meant that you could have one, two, maybe three fewer spells to cast from, because you would have to forego those spells uh, to get the summoning points. Uh, I mean, even if you wanted to to be like have fun and do the oracle, we're like, oh, nice! I'm going to cast with the oracle. He's a one cast wizard. Now you're foregoing that spell for summoning. All of a sudden, he's a zero cast wizard. So now it instead, never, yeah. it never made sense. Like I'm no. a wizard. I'm a wizard focused yeah. army, yeah. and I have to not cast spells in yeah. order to get a, a, a boost. It, it yeah. doesn't make any sense. But now yeah. it's cleaned up and it and yeah. it's perfect. Yes, this is great. I and mean, it's also a simple rule, you know, like whenever you have fun, you get points. And whenever you stop the enemy from having fun, you also get points. So <laughs> great rule, really fun. Especially when whenever you are bound to unbind the enemy player and have to tell them, oh, sorry, you're unbound and I get some summoning points. Cool. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> just off the top of your head, and uh, maybe you'll guess this one, how many cosmic power points do you generate on average in the first couple of rounds obviously when combat starts happening attrition starts happening but what's what's a fair number that you're generating every every turn yeah sure so it highly highly depends on your list but i think a good target to try and set for yourself which i think a lot of starbound players will want to do is you're trying to aim for the around 15 point mark um so to do that, you would have to have, for example, five different wizards, uh, and one of them being maybe the flag, that's five points, and then cast 10 spells. That will give you 15 points. And with 15 points, we have a lot of flexibility with what we want to summon, what abilities we want to use, and that kind of jazz. Uh, but now, of course, there are a few ways we can also gain some extra points, which you can go through later when we get to the commands and artifacts. But I'd yeah. say around 15 is is what you're aiming for in a Starborn list. If you're if you're doing the caster heavy side, at least. Uh, I'm sh- sure there's some versions where you, you don't have it as your main goal. Um, but we'll see how the meta yeah. progresses. Yeah. And obviously, like, if you come up against an opponent with lots of wizards, then you're going to generate more. If you don't, if you come up against an army that has no wizards or very little wizards, then you'll generate less. But what I'm hearing from you is, is 10 to 15 mark is really yeah. where you want to be being. And the so, yeah. reason... And the reason for it is because you get two different options. So uh, in the hero phase, you have um, three different options. 
And then in the movement phase, you can also summon. So let's start yeah. with the hero phase stuff. So you can cash in those cosmic power points for either Azure Light, which is worth five, uh, protections of the old ones that are worth 10, Cleanse the Realm is worth 15. So um, potentially a lot if you use Cleanse the Realm. Uh, Azure Light healing, uh, so uh, returning D3 slain models to Starborn units with a wounds characteristic of one or two. And within 12 inches of a uh, friendly node, uh, the protection of the old ones is the uh, ward of five up instead of six up from the uh, astrolith bearer. Yeah, and, the then the and then the cleansing of the realms is basically doing a bunch of mortal wounds um, to, an en to enemy units within 12 inches of a friendly node. So yeah. could could be very potent if you do that, but it is costing you a lot. So. Yeah. Yeah. What do you like? Do you use these often, or are you banking them up to summon? Um, so of the the abilities that you're spending the points on, I want to say that probably the first and last one are the, the most standout, at least uh, as I've been thinking about it. So the first one is your light. Um, at first read, it doesn't sound like it's too much. You're like, I'm bringing back D3 models with one or two wounds. But then when you start thinking about it, you're like, but wait, all my units are one or two wounds, right? And all my units will stand close to any of the nodes. So what it effectively just says is bring back D3 models to every single unit you have, right? Like, it's a lot of wounds you get back just me, for, me... for five points. Let me just, I'm um, actually you, because obviously yep. you've got Croxigore, for example, and and, yeah. and Starborn people might be tempted to bring Croxigore or the Croxigore Warspawned. So you don't bring back D3. No. Yes, you, yeah. you, you skinks. And this is why I asked you earlier, would you be tempted to run Saurus? Because you would be able to bring back D3 Saurus, and they're two wounds each. Yes. And the Saurus Guard are a great option. Uh, and I think a big reason... Or let's say you always want to bring guard when you're playing Starborn. I, there's no way you're leaving home without the guard. You have way too much points spent in your casters, so you need to lock down the guards. I'd go as far as say as that you probably want to have two units of guards. So what I usually do is I run two fives of guards, uh, because what you then do is you, if they ever want to damage you, you pass off to the left unit first, then you pass off to the right unit afterwards. It's my turn. Okay, now I bring back D3 here and D3 here. Um, so you, you'd have, it's a lot of wounds to, to chew through, to really get through those two fives of guards. So I think that's a great use for this ability. And then it also works on your, all your skinks, on your chicken riders, on the guards, all that stuff. Cool. All right. D3, D3, uh, ret models returned. Pretty obvious. Yep. Um, what about the five up ward from the reviving en uh, energies, which is the, uh, Ashleth bearer? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't quite made up my mind yet. Like I, I want to like it because it, it doubles the effectiveness of the flag. But what you really want to do is you want to use it where the enemy has a double turn, right? Like that's when it's going to be the most effective. So it's already kind of limited in that sense that you, you're probably going to want to do it when the enemy is, is going to double you back. Um, but then it's also limited to everything has to be close to the flag. And 10 points is quite a lot of points already. You, you can, as we are going to look at, you can already summon quite a few nice units for 10 points. So I think, yeah, potentially, maybe running a lot of Bastilodons and you're just putting up a screen of Bastus and putting up a five plus ward could be cute. Um, 
but I think generally maybe a little bit too expensive to use at least every round, but I'm, I'm sure there will be rounds where you're going to look to use it for sure. I guess I'm thinking about this, right? Like let's say it's turn one, maybe even mm. going into turn two. Yeah. The, the likelihood of me returning D3 slain models is pretty slim to none, yeah. unless they've got like a lot of power projection yeah. or can turn one charge. Yeah. Cleanse the realm is probably too soon in turn one. Um, again, situational, but yep. most mostly you're not going to spend 15 points in, in most average games. Is it worth putting up the five-up ward in turn one um, to protect yourself from the double turn to uh, to create some durability? Or are you thinking more about like cashing in in turn two and turn three and getting a better effect? For sure. I mean, yeah, I could see it. If you're going first... And you know that the enemy has a lot of power projection, like he can get to you in his next turn, and it's a possibility where he's going to go again into you. Um, sure, it, like I said, it's going to double the effectiveness of your ward. Uh, but I think generally, you could maybe stop some damage by just summoning some skinks in the way as well. That's also reducing damage. Uh, but then you also have another unit standing in the way, you're stopping movement, all that, all that jazz. Um, so yeah, I, guess I mean, yeah. I guess I'm thinking, for example, like KO at the moment is yeah. at the top of the meta. KO is doing very well. And you can screen with a bunch of skinks, but they've still got some, you know, 24-inch, you know, yeah. attacks. Yeah. And yeah. throwing up that 5-up ward could be a nice boost. But for most armies, as you said, probably not. Yeah, I think KO might be trouble for Starborn. I think it's it might be difficult to survive all the shooting. Uh, but we'll see. To see. Well, I think it depends. If you can go first, I think you might you might have a pretty good matchup against KO. But if they go first, I think it's going to be a little bit difficult. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking about next season when we're outside of the Galatian veterans yeah. or champions. Sorry, Galatian champions, and they can actually start targeting your Ashleaf bearer. Yeah. Now you just got to hide them near battle line. But soon they'll just be able to snipe them. So you chuck down that five off ward. But yes, yeah. I. Um, anyway, I think we talked too much. Five off ward is pretty <laughs> obvious. It's obvious. It's, it's situational. You don't yeah. use it every game, but it's situational. For sure, for sure. Cleanser Realm seems like a turn two onwards type thing, depending on, again, how fast your opponent is, what options you are, and how many uh, units can be affected by the node. Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. I think if you have the opportunity to use it the first round, your opponent has probably made a very, very serious mistake allowing that to happen. I don't think there should be any world where you're going to get multiple targets within 12 in the hero phase for this to be effective. However, round two, round three, things are starting to creep up the board. They're getting closer to your heroes. They're getting closer to your temple. Now, all of a sudden, you add in that cheeky little teleport and you might just tag their entire army with D6 mortals. Uh, so it has really, really high potential. But I think, as you said, it's it's more of a late game ability than just like a turn one alpha. Yeah, yeah. Unless, you know, like most things are going to drop in your face, even if it's a nine inch coming from reserve. It's probably not worth the 15 power points. No. Uh, unless it's Stormcast. And like if Stormcast drop a whole bunch of like things right into your face, yeah. then burninate them. But if it's just like one unit, I wouldn't spend 15 points on one unit. It, it it shines when you can tag multiple units. That's when it's at its best, for sure. 
on the other side is okay well i didn't spend it or maybe i'm gonna save them for later in the game and cash in in other areas is i can summon here and we go as low as eight um cpps for 10 skinks or three terror wings um you obviously can bring on so many things whether it's saurus warriors saurus guard uh bastilodons engine of the gods terror wings uh a spawn of chotek if you if you do summon, um, what are the types of things that you would normally summon? Is there things that there that are good value to you? Yeah, for sure. I'd say there's maybe maybe four standout units. I want to say. So let's start from the bottom. I think just basic basic ass skinks. Ten skinks, eight points. Basically, get it for free. I mean, you'll usually have probably five nodes. Uh, sorry, not nodes, but the, the casters and um, the flag important distinction uh, but you basically get it for free you don't really even have to cast to get to the the eight points it's very easy to get there so just some bodies put them out there on the board they're running around grabbing objectives being in the way great eight points good deal um i'd say second option which is worth considering is the ripper dactyls i think 10 points you're just paying two more points versus the skinks um they're really fast they move 12 they can eat and unleash hell, um, and they do surprisingly okay. Uh, I'd say, especially if you're already starting the army with with a unit or two of rippers, so you can start with some blood toads. It's you you have to then you'll like really consider summoning rippers. They'll they'll do great with the blood toad. Um, I'd say the raptor on chargers are a very solid summoning option. So this is the new skink unit. Um, basically, they have an innate plus one to charge. You then pair that with an artifact that you can put on your slant, allowing you to put summons outside of seven instead of outside of nine. So now you're just looking at a six inch on the die charge to get the rapid on charges straight into combat. Um, so I think that Raptodons and Rippers are your fighting units, Skinks are just your screens, and then the super high value one, which is just 10 Saurus Guard. So for 22 points, you get 10 Saurus God. That's 20 extra bodyguard wounds, plus they kind of slap in combat. So I think a lot of people overlook the 10 guard for 22, but they're really, really good, good units. I mean, it's 260 points for 22 summoning. Would you ever summon a Bastilodon or a Steggy? Um, yeah, I consider the best. Uh, Bastilodon for sure. It, it's a monster. It has good save. Um, I'd consider the Basti, uh, but I wouldn't, the engine and the Steg, I wouldn't consider. I, I purposely didn't ask you about the engine. I just said Steggy <laughs> or Bastilodon. We yeah. will get to the engine because I do want to get your thoughts because that has a fundamental change. You yeah. always used to take it, especially in a Starborn. Yeah. We'll see, we'll see what my, my guest Theo has to say about the old, the old engine of the gods now. Yeah, nice. Um, <laughs> I think the sport of Chotek is another one that I would possibly summon. Sure. And yeah. um, one of the cool things that I really like is the Croxigal and the Croxigal Warspawn work quite well with a skink heavy force. And Starborn are more likely to have skinks than the Coalesced. So I think there might be situations where the Croxigal might come into play. But as you mentioned, when you have 18 points for a Croxigal or 22 for a, a Saurus Guard and you're trying to protect your Slan, um, you might need the Guard, yep. but the Croxigal are going to slap. So yep. what do you need? Yeah, 
Exactly. And that's the great part about this, right? I, I don't think there are many wrong choices to take here. There's a bunch of great good units. Even like the Hunters of Wanshi for 10 points could be a cute little option. You know, you get that extra teleport later, the next on, next turn onwards. Um, there's a lot of good options. And that's why I really like the flexibility of the new book. You have the abilities and you have the summons. And they're quite generous with, with where you can summon them as well. I, I always have the philosophy to summon often as opposed to like bank them up and try to go for the big yeah. summon. So getting, you know, using skinks every turn, every second turn to keep you winning on the objective, to scream, to block, to um, soak up damage. Um, getting more skinks on the board is is never a bad, never a bad decision. Never. No, no for sure. I, th I think a, a pretty normal... So thinking pattern now is probably going to be skinks round one, maybe. So you'll end with a few sort of spare points left over so that your next turn onwards have a, a much larger choice of do I want to use the abilities or do I want to summon something specific to help me out in this situation, uh, I think is how you're going to usually do it, probably. I, I would agree with you on that one, actually. Either save them completely for a big turn two yeah. or summon the skinks turn one, then... Do you think turn two? Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, anything else you'd mention on the uh, the cosmic powerpoints before we get into the other options? No, just uh, I mean they're great and they're pretty easy to generate. So really solid tool to have in your army. The defining role, I'd say, of the Starborn now. So and and to remind you, Theo mentioned that he's having as many wizards as possible. So ideally around five. Uh, you're putting an Ashleth bearer in. That's getting you another point. So that's six. Yeah. Then every spell cast successful, you're going to get an extra point, uh, as well as everyone that you unbind or dispel. So ideally that ten to fifteen kind of mark. Yeah, for sure. When you're building your list, do you have any favorite command traits that you're tapping into? There are four for your Slan, three for your Skinks. Um, yeah. Do you ever make it? Do you ever make a Skinker General, or is it always going to be your Slan um, Master? So I think yes, you might make a Skink General, but it's only where you bring Croak and you're not bringing his Slan best buddy with him. Then you do the Skink General. Otherwise, you're always making your Slan a General. Are you talking Skink uh, Starseer, or are you talking... Um, yeah, Starseer, or if you're bringing Croak Oracle, but leaving the Slan at home, maybe you're making the Oracle the general. Uh, but I'd say as soon as you bring the basic Slan, you're making him your general, because they have access to some great command traits. And just to close the loop here, you're not taking Croak and a Slan because it's too many points? Is that no, one you, of the... That's... You, def you definitely do bring both. You do bring you, both. You would take yeah. both. You would take Croak yeah. and you would take a Slan. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yep. That's a yeah. lot of points when you also yes. then add the Stagar. When you add... Yep. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. We'll, we'll, we'll do the list later. I have yeah. a list where we can check it out. That's <laughs> a lot of points because between between those two, plus the Ashleth Bearer, plus yeah. the Saurus Guard, yeah, that is a lot of points. Yeah, and you're probably bringing the Oracle and another caster as well. Yep. All right, it's a lot all of right. points. Yep. Right. Is, we're, we're opening Christmas presents a little too early. All right. Of yep, your yep. of your command traits, what are your favorites, and and who do you put them on? So yeah, of the command traits, there is an obvious one, which all the Seraphon players have decided that this is the one. We're only going to use this one. We're never going to touch anything else. And it's the one where 
you get two cosmic power points whenever you cast a spell and two cosmic power points whenever you dispel or unbind. Meaning your slan could generate you only the basic slan could generate you 12 cosmic points. So we're talking Which, Lord of the Celestial Resonance. Yes, correct. Lord of the Celestial Resonance. It's just, it's so many points uh, for no drawback. You just get so many extra. So if let's assume I, I don't see the value. Like you know, I'm not kidding the dots here. Mm-hmm. Why is this one so superior than the other three? I'd say, I'd say Arcan Might is a cute option. So Archimite is the one that lets you control three Predator Endless Spells and double the range of an Endless Spell that you cast. Now, at first glance, I thought, wow, this sounds great. I could just chuck out three Endless Spells with my slants. But that's not what it says. It just says you can control up to three, and the one that you do cast, you can double the range of. So, But, I mean, there are a few cute tricks you could do, like just putting a purple sun in the back corner of the opposite side of the table with double range plus slan through a unit. Like, um, yeah, but, but why is Lord, why is Lord of Celestial Resonance so good compared to, for example, making your general like a Nighthaunt unit, being able to ignore positive yeah. and negative modifiers? Yeah. Or, as we've talked about, you've got a really good spell law, but you lost Comet's Call. Yeah. So why not, why not get two extra spells <clears throat> on my slan? Yeah, yeah. That's a good question. I think... The two extra spells um, is not as valuable because I think a lot of Starborn players are looking at picking up the enhancement for choosing an extra spell for all of your casters. That's a really good uh, enhancement to pick. So you have a bunch of casters, they all get two spells. Um, So if you do that, then you don't really need the vast intellect. Plus, the second option being that usually you're bringing at least one or probably two um endless spells uh in your list so meaning you're already casting the worship spell from the slam the comments call and the endless spell that's three spells he's done he doesn't need the two extra spells cool and before people put this in the comments because it happens before um the way theo is getting extra spells on all of his wizards is either through the Warlord Battalion, where you can choose an extra enhancement and you're choosing the spell enhancement, so every wizard would get an extra spell, or Commanding Entourage, where you get get the same choice, right? So um, that's how you're doing it. Just uh, I I know there'll be some people in the comments section going, how is he getting an extra spell? It's because of Warlord Battalion or Commanding Entourage Battalion. Yeah, and it's to all wizards. Correct. Yeah, so great great enhancement to Starborn. If your list has five wizards, that means every single one knows. Doesn't cast, knows. So if you've got a skink wizard that has one can cast one spell, it doesn't get to cast no. two spells. It just no. knows two spells. So you've got more flexibility on your choice. Correct. Correct. So I, I think either of those are the ones you're going to choose from. Um, nothing wrong with the ethereal save, but you're not looking to save with your slan regardless. You're looking to pass to the guard. Um, and stand in the corner. You're not going to be up there and, you know, fist fighting with the enemies. You're putting them way back. By the way, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I just wanted you to clarify for anyone who wasn't quite sure of why that particular was so important. And we just talked about Celestial PowerPoints and what you can do with it. So you can see why generating more is going to give you either more bodies, better bodies, or allow you to do both summoning and uh, a hero phase ability. What about your skinks? If you're making a skink general, what is the option you're taking? It's difficult. Um, 
there's a few good ones. I think if you're doing a low drop list where uh, you don't want to bring the spell in hands, then the Master of Star Rituals on a Star Seer, for example, having the flexibility is going to be good. Nimble Warleader is this close to being great. I, I, I'd say the reason why it's not that great is because the Skinks already have uh, an enhanced rule for running where they get to keep the best of 2d6. And if you're picking this one up, you'd, you'd have to drop that ability to instead do the 2d6 run. Um, so it's not going to be a huge difference in the, in the amount of moon that you get. It's going to probably just be three or four inches, maybe on average, right? Um, and then the last one is the counter charge one. Probably not. I don't think there's a lot of units that you want to charge in with as star, Starborn is the problem. You usually want to do one unit, destroy what you're fighting, and then end your turn. I think you very rarely want to have multiple fights going on as Starborn. Uh, I would tend to disagree with you on that one. Um, mm -hmm. And the reason for it is for a uh, battle tactic denial of your enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, it, it is only once per battle, which I hate. Yeah. But being able to, like, this one's mine, my opponent picks it, you know, it's general to go in for something. And if you have the ability to counter charge um, and deny that battle tactic because you've used 10 summon skinks, um, yeah. I don't think it's such a bad idea. But when you stack it up against the other command traits, a once per battle, it's hard to justify. It's It's potentially great, but consistently fine, I think is the yeah. problem, right? It'll be fine. But you want you want to have that just just consistently good all the time, uh, and knowing all the spells is always going to be good. Um, running two d six is always going to be good. This one is going to have its uses, I'm sure. It's cute. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I agree. I think that what what you said about the Lord of Celestial Resonance is probably my first choice. But if yeah. I find myself um, with a Skink General, I guess it depends, right? If you're going for Battle Regiment and you're going the lowest drops possible, probably Master of the Star Rituals is probably the best one. Yeah. If you're Warlord or if you're going, you know, who cares about your, your drops? Then yeah, it's yeah. I agree. It's good options. Uh, just options, right? Like it's yeah. it's it's no best. There's no well. Celestial Resonance is clearly best. Yeah. What about Artifacts? Artifacts is always an interesting one, right? Because um, with you, probably really disappointing is so many of these are once per battle, especially on, yeah. the slant, on the slant side. They're all like once per battle except for the Zotec Dial. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the, the Artifacts got a bit of a downgrade overall. There were used to be a lot of really, really strong Seraphon artifacts, especially the ones that you would do on the Skinks, which we're going to get to soon. But from the Slan version, Space Folder Staff, I think, is really good. So Space Folder Staff allows you to, at the end of your movement phase, you will say the next unit that arrives on the battlefield will be set up outside of seven, as opposed to the classic outside of nine. Now, as written, right now, you could use this at the end of the move phase, say the next unit to be set up, and then wait until your next round and do the teleport and set up a unit in the hero phase and do it outside of seven, because it's still set up and it doesn't say until your next whatever. So you could still use this on the teleport in the next round as written right now, which is really weird. Because uh, you'd have to like keep a little piece of note next to your table where it says the next unit. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I would imagine that will be quickly yeah. FAQ'd or rotted. So uh, I, 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 te I tend to play on the conservative. Just 
If you're playing with the book, just play with a once per turn, once per battle, seven inch depl- uh, drop in from reserve as opposed to yeah. nine. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the, I mean, the intended use is probably for summoning out of seven or Dracothian's tail dropping out of seven. I, I don't think it's intended to be used in the hero phase. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. Sometimes they let those kind of things get through I for no think, reason I, at all. <laughs> Theo, you're optimistic. I I don't think so. Like, sl- don't just just pretend that it's just once per battle. You don't think the they're gonna. Day. You don't think they're gonna keep the Soros teleporting into battle either from Corlys? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. But, we'll see. Uh, well, well, yeah. Look, they've, they've 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 done a bunch of things against Squigs, so I think that they're they're, <laughs> they're trying to rein certain things in. But yeah, so yeah. the space for for the star stave yeah. is the strongest one. Um, I don't mind the prism of Amontok as a secondary artifact. Um, mm-hmm. It wouldn't be sure. my first. It wouldn't be my no. first. But if I went Warlord extra artifact, or if I find myself an extra artifact. But I think to your point, if I'm going to go Warlord, I'm going to take extra spells, not extra artifact. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, they're all okay, but the Spacefall staff opens up a lot of possibilities. It really opens up the board. It's and like it's even just for the opponents, just having to have that always in the back of their head. Oh shit! I cannot stand here and block off the objective. I'm gonna have to move up an extra two inches to complete turn off because they can summon out of seven. I can't just measure 18 inches between two of my units and block it off, you know. Now I'm going to have to do 14 inches. Like, um, it really it really complicates the game for your opponent while opening it up for yourself, which I think is a huge plus. Yeah, the, the benefit to me, because I use the Lord uh, Imperitant in my Stormcast, having a 7-inch deployment, yeah. or, sorry, I come in from reserve, yeah. is um, the likelihood of hitting a charge from 7 inches out, yeah. especially with a reroll from a command point, is yeah. very high. Yeah. Uh, when you're doing it from a 9, a command point is like almost 50-50. So yeah. um, the, the extra 2 it's, inches exactly. makes a huge difference. Yeah. It's a huge difference. And especially if you're summoning in, for example, the Raptor on Chargers, who have the innate plus 1. Now you're looking at a 6-up with 2 chances if you're doing the reroll. So that would be quite consistent. That's really uh, nice. So love the space fuller staff. Other ones are they're okay, but I think ninety nine percent of the people are going to pick the space fuller staff for sure. Yeah, I, I would agree. It's probably the. I mean, the, the Zotec dial is cute, but the space fuller stave is probably the one that has the cl- most clear benefit. Yeah, it, it will always be good. It, you you don't have to look for those niche specific cases where like, oh, I wish I had D six mortals here. This one is just always good. Yeah. yeah. What, about the, what about the skin card effects? First of all, I just want to pour out some for my homies, the incandescent retresses, which <laughs> used to be you just bring back a, a, skink, uh, a, spring, a skink hero, you'd bring it back to full life. So you could put it on an engine of the gods with 14 wounds. It oh, dies. I remember that. Oh. And you'd go back to full with 14 wounds. Uh, and this is why the engine of the gods got keywords removed from it. This is why, because you guys just went too hard on it, it was... and it got busted. Uh, Theo, I don't know if you ever know this, but um, in the first edition book, I'll never forget this. The engine of the gods, if you rolled an 18, you got an extra turn. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll never forget playing at a tournament where the player behind me uh, rolled that 18, and they were at the bottom of the, t- of the round. I, know, I think it was round two, right? So they got yeah. the bottom yeah. of round two, got a free turn, and then one priority and went into the top of turn oh, three. So they had three simultaneous oh, um, turns. Like, is it, 
that's why the engine of the gods got nerfed, folks. Yeah, I'm sure that was a great time for his opponent. Really well, entertaining. He, well, he he. This is at a time where you used to be able to stack your command points, and mm. um, his Carnosaur did 72 damage. I watched it happen. 72 damage from a Carnosaur. Conservative, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, so yeah, the incandescent retro says healing D3 wounds. Eh, eh. Um, now the sacred staggeron helm, um, is nice, but you're only ever gonna pick it up on one unit, and it's gonna be the oracle. I think on the oracle, it's a solid choice. It's a four-up base save, so getting an extra plus to save innately, as well as getting a slightly better bite attack in melee, is quite good. Um, mm. but, you know, it's just solid, no drawbacks. And then, again, pour some out for the Cloak of Feathers, which now cannot be pour, put on any of your monsters. Again, you'd put it on your, your Steg Chief. They do have flying, they have plus 40 move. You'd auto-run them, run, shoot, charge, all that jazz. Now it's keyword locked, so you can't put it on monsters anymore. So, but, yeah. but if you love your Skink Priest model, you now have a thematical Cloak Correct. of Feathers. Stink. So yep. you have mo- you have a model with an artifact on it. Good on to you, you narrative gamers. Exactly. <laughs> you tell your story. Yeah, like yep. the cloak, like like the cloak of feathers is nice for a non-hero um, uh, skink. Uh, the Stegadon helm again is nice for the troggy. But yep. um, if you've got the slan, I think the slan option is going to be stronger. Yep. And- You're always doing the slan option, and then and then if you have basically yeah. You do if you have a slan, you do the slan. If you have an oracle, you do the stegadon. And if neither rules are fulfilled, then you can do one of the other ones. But you're you're probably always going to see the stave or the stegadon helm. I'd almost be tempted to go into the universal artifacts, to be honest. Get like a six-up yeah. ward or something. Yeah. I think I'd yeah. probably just to be honest, yeah. like none of these really stand out to me as nope. super synergistic yep. to no. what I want to do. No. All right. I'm glad that we align there. Nothing too <laughs> crazy. Yep. Um. Speaking of crazy, though, we have our spell law. Now, we talked earlier that the, you are a spell-casting nation. That's your thing. That's your jam. And yep. your celestial power points for every successful spell you're going to cast, you're going to get points as well, yep. which then kind of leads me to maybe the two bottom – I'm going to ask you about your favorites. But there's other things like the Mystical Unforging and Stellar Tempest, which have a casting value of eight, a lot yep. harder than, let's say, for example, Tepok's um, benefit. Benefinance, um, which is a value of five. Yeah. So, are you tempted by those high casting values because they're they're more unlikely to to be cast, and then you don't get your CPPs and blah blah blah. Um, I'd say yes. I think the ones that are harder to cast make up for it by being really strong. I think Comet's Call on a seven. It's great. It's just D3 units, take D3 mortals. And with all those pluses that you are able to get in the book, you're very likely, I think, to cast it on a 10. So you get D6. So you get D6 units, D3 mortals. Just a great option. Instead of Tempest, I mean, it's a horde killer, but it's really far, man. It's 24 inches away. You get the extra range from the flag, and you're maybe casting it through another skink wizard. Um, So you're basically just picking and choosing from the board and and if I was immortal. So honestly, the entire slan, the entire Starborn lore really uh, is really good. I, I think it, you'll be hard pressed to pick a wrong spell. They're all really good. 
I, I will say that drain magic needs to be errated yeah. just because yeah. of the, t- the the timing um that even that's an easy one even if you don't need it just to get the extra cpp if you got your slan you got four four casts on croak like you drain magic just to get an easy cpp yeah i mean if you're running croak and not an oracle maybe he doesn't have uh, anything in rage the first turn just chuck out the drain magic it's not going to hurt you you'll get the point yeah and um, real solid they're all great uh, i mean reducing someone's changing someone's rent to like just a dash is just amazing put it on some high rent uh, scary targets uh, and especially comboing that with tepox beneficence where it's called where you get to be, make a unit minus to wound now all of a sudden you're getting quite tanky you're using rend you're getting minus to wound you have ward saves um it all sort of adds up put croak aside for a second let's imagine i have a slan star master if I'm taking spells, what's the priority list? So let's imagine I don't have a uh, Warlord Battalion, right? So I've yep. only got my one choice. Yep. What's my one choice on my uh, Slan? I think your one choice is always Comet's Call. You'll okay. always pick up Comet's Call as your first choice. It is so flexible. You can cast it in the corner outside of unbind range. You just pick any target. You don't have to see them. It doesn't matter if they're close to a hero or whatever. It's just damage wherever you need it. So Comet's Call, always top priority. For cool. your That's... second spell, yeah. I think Stellar Tempest, great option, because it's all around just a nice horde killer. Um, otherwise, either of the debuffing ones, the Reducing Rend or Minus to Wound, are great options. And again, if you're only running a slan and no croak, you here you'll have your option to swap out the Stellar Tempest if you don't need it, and and swap it to something else. Yeah, yeah. I think Mystical Unforging is the one that I'm really drawn to. Yeah, um, it's really, really solid. Like being able to reduce rent to nothing is massive, and then you know you can bodyguard with your your Soros Guard and like just yeah. Um, that that to me is quite good. Yeah. What about the Skink spells? Right, there's only three choices. Um, yeah. I think all of them have play. Uh, obviously, sure. yeah. What are you picking? Um, um, so the, the two standard ones are Cosmic Crush and Speed of Huanshi. So yeah. Cosmic Crush is it's kind of similar to the old old. They used to have Tide of Serpents, which was a similar sort of Stellar Tempest, whatever Horde Killer spell, but now it's a little bit cuter, where it's not only dependent on how many models are in the unit, but also dependent on what save characteristics they have. So the better their save, the more likely are to do a mortal. So this will be extremely effective against Mortec Guard, for example, unless they're running Null Myriad. And uh, great against Thunderers and all that kind of jazz. Uh, so really just solid spell. You'll so, probably find a use for it. So Stellar Tempest and Cosmic Crush are going to work so well, right? Because Stellar yeah. Tempest is your Horde Clearer, Cosmic Crush is your Elite Killer. So between yeah. the two, you'll be able to do incredible damage. Yeah, exactly. And then you have, I think, quite an important spell, actually, which is the Speed of Huanshi, which allows you to pick a Skink or a Croxigore, but a keyword locked out from not monsters, so you can't do it on your Oracle. And you get to do a normal move. Um, so this is really good because it doesn't lock you out for moving in the movement phase. Mm. So it effectively doubles a unit's move. 
so putting that on a really fast unit like the Repliton Chargers or your Pterodons, your Reproductyls, you're going to be looking at a really, really f big threat range. Um, I'll, I'll say as well that um, Croxigors, one of the probably the, the negatives to their new War Scroll is they got slower. They went from a range of eight inch move to a five inch move. Yeah. So by putting Speed of Hawanchi, you now get them uh, obviously two five inch moves, right? So 10. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, for sure. Great spell. And then the last one is just a bravery buff for either one or all of your units within range, depending on what you rolled. So I want to ask you about that one, Celestial yeah. Harmony. Because um, at the top of the show, you said uh, you don't run the blocks of 30 skinks anymore. And obviously yeah. their, their Bravery 10 disappearing is one of the elements. You mentioned Curse yeah. and other things. But Bravery is obviously a yeah. big reason why you wouldn't reinforce to 30 skinks. Yeah. Does taking Celestial Harmony bridge that gap, and does it make it more attractive to run a 20 block of Skinks or even a 30 block of Skinks if you had Celestial Harmony? Potentially. I, like, I, I could see myself maybe running two Star Seers. I think it's not an impossible decision to make. Um, if you're then running extra spell enhancement, you'll have the flexibility to probably give at least one of them Celestial Harmony. It's just... It's a solid tool to have, you know, like no no real drawbacks. You'll just have the option of using it whenever you need to. Um, I think in that case, it, it's just, yeah, it's a good option. Will it make skink blocks good enough? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. We'll I, 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 think, I think the answer is no, by the way. I was just trying to like, I was just yeah. trying to fish. I was trying to fish to see if yeah. you had you any ideas. Yeah. I think for me, if I'm running skinks, I'm running minimum size blocks. I'm not reinforcing them like you used to. I'm running yeah. lots of lots of 10 body yeah. waves of skinks, just wave after wave after wave. Yeah. Yeah. And they're much better in tennis now because of their new war school abilities. Yeah. Um, so really cool minimum size unit for sure. Yeah, so yeah, obviously you've lost some other things like you used to get the extra attacks when you had 15 models. So reinforcing them, there's a lot of other reasons why. Um, and you don't want to be babysitting them. Like you don't want to make one of your spells celestial harmony stopping you from other things. No, exactly. So you got your two sub factions, and we'll talk about your realm shaper after those. So you got two Dracothians, you got Dracothian's tail and fangs of Sotek. Are are there particular units or archetypes or even just like how different are they like obviously they've got different rules right you know fangs of sotek when you issue redeploy redeploy you can issue it three times and it only cost you one cp while dracothian's tail lets you do some some teleport shenanigans are they the same list it's just different abilities or do you see that you know dracothian's tail is one type of build and fangs is another type of build so they definitely could be the same list. I think you very well could write a list where like, okay, this list could be played either as Draco Tail or as Fangs of Sotek. But I quite like leaning into them even more. So the Fangs of Sotek list that I've written have been trying to use a lot of skink units. So you really, like it really opens up the possibility for you really using the redeploy a lot. Like if you're just going to be running two skink like two tens of skinks and one raptor on charge. You're like, okay, you're going to use it once, twice per game, maybe. Then maybe you're just better off having the flexibility of, of deep striking your army. 
Um, and for the same way for Draco Tail, we're like, okay, if I'm going to bring the sub faction that allows me to deep strike everything, I better bring something that's worth deep striking. Other, otherwise, what's the point? Um, but yeah, you, they're quite interchangeable, I'd say. But I think you want to lean at, a little bit, at least a little bit into either one of them. Yeah, yeah, okay. And obviously, Dracothian's tail then means that um, uh, it's basically Stormcast. You, yeah, you can come in yeah. from reserve, and yeah. it allows you also to use the stave, right? So you can come down and yeah. be within seven as opposed to yeah. nine, yeah. or outside it, of seven as opposed to outside of nine. Yeah. This one would surely survive the the FAQ, I think, if they were to FAQ the stave. They'd probably just say an, until the end of a round or something, so you could probably still do this one. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think the intention is to, to be able to do this. Um, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's broken, right? Stormcasts have proven you can do the seven inch, yeah. and you're not doing mortals like like annihilators do. Yeah. Do you like one better than the other? I really like Fangs of Sothic, but only just because I think it's really fun to play with. I mean, it's just so hilarious to just run around with a bunch of skinks. And whenever anyone wants to move up, you're like, oh, redeploying, rolling my two die. Oops, okay, five-inch redeploy. Here you go, you have an eight-inch charge or 10-inch charge. And they're like, okay, shit, I'll just move over here. Oh, oh you're moving there? Okay, sure, I'll redeploy those spybos as well. Oh, okay, it's a nine-inch charge for you now. Just, it, it's, it'll very quickly become really annoying for your opponent. What, what are the units that you want to be redeploying with um, and why? I think basic skinks are great options because like i said earlier you you don't have to be too scared to just chuck them up the board and then as soon as they try to come towards you you can just move back again you know you're just just this sort of back and forth all the time just being slightly out of threat range uh, contesting objectives um i think those are great uh but any of the skink units of course are good um the only drawback is you can't redeploy and unleash hell so it'll, it'll be weaker yeah. if you're running Spawns of Chotex or the Raptodon Hunters. But otherwise, so good. Just use it on any skink unit. And again, it's not actually keyword locked to skinks. It's only that you get it for free to the first two skinks that you use it on. So you, you could do it on your guard or a Bastilladon or whatever you want to. Yeah. And what, what about Dracothian's Tail? Like, are there particular units that stand out to you more with the, the Deep Strike stuff? I think the Spawn of Chotex is cute. I think uh, using the alternate attack, so the new spawn of Shotek can choose between a long range and a short range one, but tele teleporting them into the short range, I think is a cute option. Yeah, I, I love the new spawn of Chotek. Um, we, we will get to the wall scroll, I swear. Um, <laughs> we, I swear we will. It's coming very soon, very, very soon. Um, but before we get to that... Um, Talk to me about the Realm Shaper engine. So from what I can see, not a lot has changed between old book, new book. The mm. key difference is you used to be able to garrison in the uh, the, yeah. the uh, Realm Shaper, which allowed you to do a bunch of things, right? Being yeah. able to, you know, reduce being hit or um, being able to extend ranges. Now it is impassable. So you can't put models in it and you can't land on it. Yeah. Um, has this impacted you at all? I think, yeah, I think it cannot be understated how strong the garrison was. If only for the fact that you could put the Ashleth banner bearer in the temple and increase his size from this size to that size and measure from that, and his, his bubble would all of a sudden be 
cover twice as much ground. Um, you could do you could put all your casters in there. You could put so much shit in it. Uh, you'd put ten skinks next to it. Now you'd get the minus two hit from Garrison and from Lookout Sir inside the temple. You get so you'd be minus two to hit. You'd be plus to save. So strong. Now can't use it anymore. Too bad. But it also opens up some flexibility where maybe now you're putting it more forward. Maybe you're using it to block sort of more as like Luminate play. They usually play place their little fountain more forward on the board. And maybe you want to do the same now with uh, with Seraphon. We're placing the temple more up on the board, using it to block off key areas instead of like used to just put it in the corner and, and just hide everything inside of it. Is there any other things that you need to consider? With so yes, I, I agree with you. And my other guest Basil uh, was saying the same thing: use it more aggressively, use it, and it is a node as well, right? So you can yeah. summon from it. Yep. But you're right; like you used to be able to easily protect things in the garrison. And yep. actually, it's quite funny because at LVO um, a few months ago, I played a Seraphon player, and he garrisoned a whole bunch of his wizard idiots. Yep. But at the same time, I had a Mega Gargan with the gate with the gatebreaker gets extra damage against Garrison. So it's like yep. just loving life. But for most people, it's so annoying. So yep. majority of the internet's pretty happy about this. Yeah. Plus, it just looked silly, like like because you couldn't even physically fit them on top of the temple. You have to put them on the side and everything. So this is just more straightforward. You have your little pyramid. You can hide behind it, but don't have a, a part inside. And if people feel bad as well, like Gloom Spike gets lost it. I used to put Scrag right in my Loon Shrine and just like do do cause terror. Uh, yeah. OBR can't do it anymore in their um their their stupid t- terrain piece. So it's not you. You're not the only one being targeted. But it is no. a uh, you probably were the most aggressive in the way you use the garrison terrain for sure, for sure. Oh my gits, my gits as well. Actually, that, that was pretty pretty disgusting. What I used to be able to do in, in the in the loon shrine. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure. You got four. That's four. Not not that. I, I put my hand up. But you did three. Um, you got four grand strategies. Um, do you have any that you would pick, or are you more leaning to the general's handbook at the moment? I say at the moment. I do say at the moment because obviously we're a couple of months away from the new General's Handbook. Yeah. I think the Realm Shaper Guardians is a possibility. It's it's the classic one where, you know, protect the herd stone or whatever other options that are out there where you just have to make sure your temple lives and there's no shit close to the temple. The reason why this one is good is because you you don't re- you're not looking to be too adventurous anyway. You you are gonna be standing next to your temple. You're gonna stand out, huddle up. You're gonna have your little skink screens, your guards next to you. So you're already gonna stand there, defend your temple regardless. Uh, and if they do come close to you, they'll get into range of your wizards. They get closer to your nodes. So it'll effectively like the incentive sort of goes away. Like they'll they'll want to come close to your temple, but in doing so, they'll also walk into danger. So I think that one is really solid. Um, definitely an option. From the other ones, just no. <laughs> Can I ask you, you mentioned literally minutes ago that um, because you can't garrison in the terrain feature, yeah. that you'd be more aggressive with it. Yeah. If you pick Realm Shaper Guardians, is that yeah. still true? Or are you no. going to put it yeah. as far away as yeah. possible? Yeah. Yeah, then it's not true. If you're going to do the Ramsha Guardian, you can't use it as you're going to have to put it in the corner. 
I just wanted I wanted to yeah. pull that insight out because yeah. I could see yeah. people picking Realm Shaper Engine, yeah, yeah. being yeah. aggressive with it. Yeah, yeah. Use it as a put it in the back of the the backfield. Make yeah. it a node. Summon yeah. from it in case yeah. you need it. Then yeah. use like your translocations shenanigans yeah. to yeah. to move those summoned bodies around. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's way better for the Starborn option as well, because the coalesced are going to want to push it up for like the bite effect, while we can still put it, we can put it in the corner if we want to and just ping out the little terrain pieces. A thousand percent agree. Yeah. A thousand percent that that's stronger in in Starborn than coalesced. When when I looked at the battle tactics, I thought they were achievable. But yep. I thought that most lists might only have two to three that they could possibly score because they are very specific, right? You know, you got Correct. one for Croxigor, one for Agridon, yep. one for Monster, yep. one for this, one for that. Yep. It's yep. not like you're going to have a menu of options. You yep. probably will have two or three. Yep. Yeah. Am I am I correct? And if very, I am correct, very so correct. Yeah. What what are the ones that you're drawing from, if so, any? Yeah. So Starborn has two potentially three so the first very obvious one is you just pick a unit on the battlefield and if you kill it with mortals from a spell um, you get your tactic very straightforward you'll see something have two wounds left close to one of your nodes uh, so you um sorry not nodes skink wizards or a croak you just cast some spells and it dies or you know, you, you already have an endless right next to it, whatever. Plenty of ways to achieve this. And you don't even have to tell which unit is going to destroy it. You just have to say what's going to die. So mm. you, you'll have plenty of options to pick it off. Second option is, of course, the overwhelming numbers, which is basically you just yoink an objective and only do it using skinks. And you'll usually only have skinks, pretty much, uh, or at least a lot of them. So very very achievable i could i could possibly see apex predatory being used occasionally if you were yep. able to chip away at a monster with like comet's call yep. and other spells yep. then that, like that troglodon finishes yep. it off with the spit or in combat yep. yeah yeah for sure apex predator is is the third one which you can pick i think also monsters have gotten actually gotten better in starborn like i'd say monsters in coalesced are maybe not as good as before while monsters in starborn are now a little bit more attractive uh they, those little two extra wounds that you would get from thunder lizards are now just baked into the war scroll you do get those for free in starborn so i think there are some incentives to take monsters so absolutely an option if you're if you're running monsters yeah, and, and the same is true with cold-blooded resilience, right? Because your Saurus would be your Saurus guard, uh, yep. or if you take Croxigor. So that's another option, but you're right. I think that a Celestial Obliteration and Overwhelming Numbers are probably the most consistent of the two. Yeah, And then Apex Predatory and Cold-Blooded Resilience are situational. Yeah. Overall, I'd say it's enough to have a lot of options throughout the game. Like, just even just two extra ones is enough. Yeah. Uh, it makes a huge difference having zero like the old book and having at least two extra ones to pick from. I'm sure this is going to be the, the quickest answer to a question you're going to give me all day, but Thunderquake, yay or nay when it comes to Starborn? Nay. Because? <laughs> because? Well, because honestly, I think the biggest reason is you have to pick the, the Steg hero. Uh, if it's is the biggest reason, you could actually do two Basties and a spawn of Choltek and maybe Croxigor, but I think it it's the Steg hero that really screws it up for you. Yeah, 
yeah, it, it, it's definitely a, a coalesced one. Yeah. Could you run it? Yes. Should you run it? Obviously, from a competitive point of view, probably not. Yeah. Correct. It doesn't complement all the things that we've just spoken about for the last 90 yeah. minutes. Exactly. All right. Finally. We've hit, the, we've hit the time that I've wanted to talk. So in my discussion with Basil, I held this towards the end. In yeah. your discussion, I wanted to bring it forward because <laughs> um, because you used to see a lot of the Engine of the Gods. It was a staple to the Seraphon list. Yeah. Now, the Engine of the God has changed so much so that it's probably the most aggressive change compared to not just like, you know, a hit and a wound profile change and a, a language tweak here and there. This has fundamentally changed from yeah. the way that you generate your dice to the abilities that you get to access. Now, it's not all bad because um, the old engine of the gods was very random. It was very random. Now you get more access to choose, but it comes at a cost. Yeah. So I'm going to pass the microphone over to you, Theo. Yeah. What do you think of the new engine of the gods? Where is it at for you as a competitive Starborn player? Okay, so I'll start with the old engine first. So the 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 sort of the nice thing with the old engine was it could do everything. Like it had the little they had they had the little cosmic roll. You could do it twice if you're playing Thunder Lizards. It was then also a priest. You'd maybe also make it a wizard by putting Arcane Tome on it. It was a monster. Uh, it could do anything. You know, nothing like it was. It could do everything. So flexible. It, it was. It was Seraphon Superman. Let's. Be it honest. was a Superman. Yeah. I like the engine along with the Skink Priest. I think were the two most oppressive uh, to Skink uh, Seraphon units overall. Uh, they were so sort of catch all, great in every circumstance. You always wanted them. There was really no reason not to play them. Now, I think what was nice with the old version was um, you always got an effect. No matter what, right? So usually you would run them in, in Thunder Lizards, to be fair. But what you could do is, if you had a slan nearby, you would get an extra die to the roll. So what you could do is, if you were particularly interested, for example, in the heal, healing all monsters around you, you could choose to omit the extra die and sort of go for the heal. And if you're looking to do mortals or summon, you do the extra die. Now, what I very, very heavily dislike with the new engine is... You pick an option, but then if you fail to roll that that thing, instead of getting another effect like it used to, like let's say I wanted to get the heal, but instead I got the mortals, I'd be like, ah, no heal, but at least I get the mortals, right? Now you're out of luck. Now you just well, take no, no, mortals no, 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 for no. yourself. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say, you get <laughs> mortals, yeah. you cop the mortals, you yeah. take them. Yeah. So, so folks, just add, if you if you're listening to this on audio, audio like a podcast, basically yeah. the way it works is, um, and this, this is probably the other gripe that people have, is in the shooting phase you can say that the unit is either going to harness or reserve the power. So if you've ever fought, let's say the magma droth, yeah. is probably the closest example. The magma droth, if it holds in its breath attack, the next time it shoots, it's like Ren three. It's crazy good, right? If it breathes fire every turn, it's okay, but you really see a magma droth hold its breath every every two times or every second time. So the same is true, right? So every time you hold on to a shooting attack, you get an extra dice. So you start with two dice. If you, let's say, turn one, you don't shoot. 
which probably wouldn't normally, you'd be on three dice in turn two, which is great. Uh, there's no extra dice with the slan. And no. the then there's four options. So you can choose the option, not the old one where you just roll dice and you pick a number. This one is um, you've got to pick, you, you get to pick, which is cool, right? Like I can, if I need healing, I can go for it. I can always get yeah. it yeah. as long as I roll seven plus. Yeah. Now, the problem lies is. I think the main problem is you, you, you pick the one you want, but then instead of just sort of getting like for example, like before where you were aiming for a 13, but only got a 10. What would happen is you just downgrade the version to the 10 roll, right? Now it just fails completely and you get nothing. So I think an easy change would just be to remove the picking of the effect. Uh, you just keep or you roll the two die or keep them and roll like before, I think would be a reasonable change that I don't think would break the engine. Um, I think it, also the main problem is it was costed from how strong it was in the old book. But keep in mind, there's so many things that existed in the old book that don't exist in a new book. Like like I said, the incandescent retrocess, where it would come back to life with full wounds, that's gone. You know, all yeah, the extra yeah. extra attacks or bites that you could get in Thunder Lizards, that's gone. Um, it's king, it, it, it used to have the priest keyword. Yeah, it lost, yeah, yeah, it lost the priest keyword. Uh, putting the arcane tome on it is no longer as good as it was before. So there's just one, two, three, four, five small nerfs that all add up to a unit that's kind of trash. All right. So, um, couple of questions. Yeah. What would it take for you to take the engine of the gods? As is. Yeah. Yeah. What if it was 200 points? So it's currently 300 points. What, what if it was 200? 200. If it was 200, I might consider it. But how I'd use it then would be I'd save a die and I'd only roll it every second time for the one where you pick a unit within 24 to pick to take mortals. And I'd only use it for that. If it got the priest keyword, would you pay 300 for it? Absolutely. Okay. I, I just want to draw the line in the sand here because, like, there's no point complaining like it's bad. It's like, well, if there was an errata or war scroll change, like, what yeah. would it take for this to be good again? And I think what I'm hearing is either it's overcosted for what you get yeah. or it's missing some critical things like the priest keyword that made yeah. it valuable at the 300 mark. So if yeah. one of those two things happen, either it goes down significantly or it gets the keyword back, we're yeah. okay. We're okay. Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of silly when you think about it, like how highly I value the skink keyword, you know, like the priest keyword. Uh, yeah, the, uh, sorry, the priest keyword. Yeah, like you know, just adding the priest keyword to the engine just instantly increases its value, you know, by over a hundred points. I'd say just for how important that is. Well, it's because, um, like for example, I, I play a lot of Daughters of Cain. And um, I love curse, but one of the problems is getting a priest in range within yeah. nine inches is yeah. such a big, yeah. it's a, it's a yeah. risk. Yeah. But when I get my priest on a cauldron of blood that has like 14 wounds mm -hmm. that can handle combat, yeah. it's no risk. Yeah. The, the engine of the gods used to be your version yeah. of that yes. because you it, could get yeah. this within nine. You don't care. Yeah. It was exactly that. It was such a great piece to just, you just walk it forward. You'd put even better. You'd put, a few skinks in front of it so you want to charge sure but just know that afterwards you're going to get cursed 
and then my army is going to come into you. Yeah. So yeah, huge difference from before. I, it's cute, I get it, but I think it's a little bit too harsh. It's too punishing. Like imagine you summon up, you save up for the thirteen plus, right? Yeah. You summon, you you save it for three rounds. You're like, here go my six die. And you roll it and you get like, oh, it's nine. Shit. Okay. I guess I just take three mortals now and do nothing. And I've waited for four rounds. Like, I think for me, the other one is healing light is so short range at six inches. Like that kills me. Yeah. Like six inches yeah. is nothing. Yeah. Um, and for anyone who needs to do maths hammer, uh, the average on a 2d6 is a seven. Uh, 3d6 is a 10 uh 4d6 is between 13 and 14 so yeah. if you want to basically like yeah you, you really want to be saving at least uh, a dice every turn to get yeah. an extra a 3d6 minimum yeah I, I, there's a few changes they could do to make it attractive but as is it's too overcosted to to yeah. do what you want to do no, that's cool that, that, that's what i wanted to hear is just like where yeah. you're at and what we would need yeah. to take Let's um let's let's uh not rapid fire, but let's you know without going into every single particular detail. Yep. Uh, these are these are new units, by the way. You have got like heaps of new units. So we'll yep. start off with the Croxagor Warspawn. There are two versions of Croxagor now, brand new model. Um, I love this new model. First off, it, it definitely does justice now to the Croxagor. I love it. Um, yeah. What what are your thoughts as a Starborn person, and uh, would you take them in either of a uh, Fangs of Sotek or a, um, uh, a Dracothian's Tale? And if you would, why? And if you wouldn't, why not? I'm I'm a little bit split. I I can see the idea behind them. So you know, like it's thematical and whatnot. Like the idea is, you know, you put them like three inches behind your skinks. You know, the enemy charges your skinks. Kills the skinks, Crocs go get angry, pile in and fight back, whatever. Like it's nice, but it also it's also mean means that you have to like pay like a skink tax every time you want to use the Crocs to like the full extent. Like you'll almost actively be charging in skinks to to trigger the war spawn extra attack, um, where you could instead use the skinks for something else. So you're, you're like you're paying a price to use this ability, and then. They've also given it this thing, this rule where it doesn't have its own leader, but it can be commanded by a skink unit's leader instead, which is, I mean, it's fun. I, I get it. Like the point is that it's supposed to be around skinks, but it just sort of ends up hampering you. Like it doesn't add anything for you. It just makes it more difficult to use in favor of like flavor. Um, so that's, I think, is, is the main drawback. And also the fact that when you look into it, normal Croxigor are almost slightly better than the Warspawn version, point for point, which is also a little bit odd. Okay, so let, let's start off here. Would you take Croxigor? Just, just, just hold, hold, like as a concept, mm -hmm. this, mm -hmm. this Croxigor concept, would you take them as that second wave of attack after the Skinks? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I like that idea. And I don't think there's other options that are as good at doing that as the crocsigors are they're the best at counter punching pine skinks i agree i mean you can't rely on all your damage just coming from your mortal wound spells alone yeah. Yeah. and now that you lost some of those uh shooting shooting damage you used to have in the old book 
Yeah. Something needs to step up, and I can definitely see the Croxagore being someone who could step up. Yeah. Then, then my second question is: um, If you were going to take Croxagore, is it this one, the Warspawned, or is it the uh, the generic Croxagore version? I think you'd go for the generic Croxagore version, just because you don't have to deal with the hassle of the extra rule, uh, and you get them a little bit cheaper. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I did think the spawn of Sotek is aggressive like 10 10 wounds needs to die wholly within 12 inches of this croxigore in yeah. order to get the extra attack and that that's that seems like a lot i th- is it model or unit I unit unit units friendly uh oh sorry oh, no sorry every sorry any model sorry yes uh add one yeah, to the attack characteristics model. yeah, yeah. I, I was looking at skink units i'm like oh yeah, crap yeah. no it's model yeah. so what yeah, one, yeah. one one idiot dies, they get plus yeah. one attack. Okay, that's that's yeah. that's good. That's it's fine. I think the problem you just, just lies in the whole unit is probably just gonna die anyway. So you're gonna be effectively like trading eighty-five points whenever you want to use it because you're gonna have to screen it with skinks. Um, but it's I like it. I'm I'm sure it has play. It's way better than the old version, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah three attacks, hits on fours, wounds on threes, ren two for two. That's nice. If you get yeah. the extra attack, that's four attacks. Yeah. Like that, that that'll hit that'll hit a uh, that'll pack a punch. Yeah, sure. You just need to incentivize your opponent to kill a skink. Then, but a smart opponent's not going to kill a skink. They'll just they're not going to attack. Yeah, I th- I think you're better off just doing normal croxigore if you're going to do them. Uh, they they have four attacks built in, although they lose one rem. But you just don't have to deal with the hassle of having the skinks dying. Yeah. Yeah, and they do get the vice like yours. They're not the models are nice, but you just don't get the improved ones for coalesced. Yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the big drawbacks. Like the the vice like jaws are that's a really good rule because you can very easily have all three in, so you get nine die very easily. Mm. But being only on sixes instead of potentially fours in coalesced claw really also shifts the the value of them. You're looking at average one and a half to two, yeah, you know, two mortal wounds at best yeah. On, yeah. on average. Yeah. The Saurus Scarvet on Agrodon. Um, when I talked to Basil, he was saying that, like, as a as an individual war scroll, it's not that great, and um, you probably definitely want to pair it with the Agrodon lances. Mm-hmm. But as a pure individual hero in a Starborn. Would you take it? Uh, why or why not? I don't think you would take either him nor the Agrodon units. I think their their purpose is to very quickly go up the board and lock units down in combat with defensive abilities like the minus damage, a mystic shield, or whatnot. Uh, but you sort of you lack those really key defensive ways to buff them. Um, even, you know, the minus two wound, it's keyword locked to skinks. You can't put that on the Agron Lancers. Um, and they don't get the scaly skin, of course. So I think you're, you're paying way too much for, way too much of their value is tied to coalesced, so to say. Like, they're costed to be a coalesced unit, not a starborn unit. So you're paying like a coalesced tax only to use half of the rules. What about in a Dracothian's Tale where you could come in from nine? These guys get plus one to their run and charge rolls, which is nice. So that means a, a nine becomes an eight. Yeah. And uh, if you had the artifact, that would turn a seven to a six. Yeah. yeah. Um, would that work in Dracothian's Tale? It would. 
I just rather do the raptodons. They'll be cheaper. They'll be skink keyworded, um, and they'll be faster when they're out of combat. Okay. So, yeah. so what, what I'm hearing is uh, you're not a big fan. I mean, there are 210 points for three models. So um, that is quite expensive, as we talked about, whether you're taking Croak, Slan, both of them, that's a yeah. lot of points. Yeah. Then add the Ashleth Bearer, add the Saurus Guard, that's a lot of points. Yeah. Um, do you add uh, Lancers? No, you don't. Three Please. models. Yeah, no. I think... Um... You're so starved with points in a Starborn list. You're you're paying so much caster tax and guards and spells that those few key pieces that you put in towards the end really have to be your sort of bang for your buck. You know, like you can't splurge those extra sixty points to upgrade your Raptodons to Agron Lancers. You need those sixty points for something else. Yeah, like also we didn't talk about like endless spells. It means you wouldn't be taking endless spells. Like where where does the list? I mean, the, I think there's some play, but I think uh, your your points are so finite in in Starborn yeah. that yeah. I think I'm looking at the value for money with chaff and skinks and bodies to protect you from getting to my juicy slan center. Yeah, correct. Especially if you can't project your power from shooting. But yeah. something that can shoot is the new version of the Razodon. So this is the spawn of Chotek, uh, Chotek being the sun god, and um, it's cheaper than the uh, the old Salamander. Yeah. It has a, a long-range shooting attack. It doesn't do mortals, but it does do a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Where do you stand on the spawn? I love the spawn. I love the spawn. So, do I. Th- so this do I. is this is sort of a a room splitter or whatever. Like some people absolutely hate it. Some people are like, "Holy shit, the spawn of Chodig is so good." And I do think they... the reason the first thing people do is they look at the twenty four inch range, say, "Oh, it's one shot four plus. There's a fifty percent chance I'm doing nothing." While yes, that is true. I more choose to look at it as a a middle-range shooting unit that has the 12-inch range. That's its main profile. The other one is just a bonus you get to do when, whenever you can shoot anything 12-inch. Just consider it as something you get to do instead of doing nothing. That's how I consider it. And if it does go through, you also get the additional bonus of reducing their save by one. Um, so I, I really like the spawn of Chotek, especially in Draco Tail, where you can just instantly drop them in the fiery maw, the steam of fire range and just charge them in. Because they kind of slap in melee as well. Yeah, because you could drop outside of nine, and the shooting attack is outside of twelve. So, yeah. uh, so twelve inches. So you'd always be able to yeah. slap. Yeah. Or when when you say that it's got, a, it's a bit divided with opinion. Is that because you're not doing mortals anymore? Um, is it because of that four up only? I think it's it something the, else. Yeah, it, it's the unreliability. I think. I think people sort of decide the value of the spawn of choke tick only out of the glob of flame acid shooting profile, which is just one attack force. Um, And I agree that that's very unreliable, but you're only paying 125 points for it. It's very cheap. It's on eight wounds, quite high already for the points. I mean, even like a skink screen, it's 10 wounds. You're not like, you're not paying that much extra for it. It's on a four plus save. Um, and it's a really, really good teleport target. Uh, it's great to just chuck it forward. Uh, you can put some skinks behind it. it. That's the other 
second good option of a counter punch unit is you have the spawn of Chotic banish King screen, and then you pile in and bite them afterwards with the spawn of Chotic. So I, I really like it. Uh, you just have to change how you view it. I don't, don't view it as sort of a, a an artillery long range shooting, more of a middle range sort of fighty shooter unit. Yeah, I, I think for me, regardless if I'm Dracothian's tail or not, I'm looking at the uh, the twelve inch attack as my primary attack, yeah. and my turn one, turn two, maybe I'm using the glob. That, yep. um, as you said, Dracothian's tail, I can just put it in specifically to where I need it to be, yep. and do twelve inches. Yeah, and it, it'll, it'll average a lot of damage if you're shooting into a screen. Like it'll almost single handedly just lift the screen. Yeah, so, yeah, two two to hit, threes to wound, Ren minus two for one damage. So yeah, and you can uh, have up to ten attacks. Hmm, it's a lot of damage. Yeah, four hundred and twenty-five points. Four hundred and twenty-five points exactly. That's that's the piece. If you if you were paying two hundred, yeah, this is this is hot garbage. Yeah. but one hundred and twenty-five points that's nothing. No, nothing. and it fills a role that you don't that you lack. Yeah, yeah, but. So there are two versions of the Raptodons. You have the Raptodon Hunters and they have the Raptodon Chargers. So yeah. the Raptodon Hunters are uh, a little more shooty, a little bit more mm -hmm. skirmishy, um, and they synergize well with the uh, the Raptors. So there is a bit of a tag team partnership between the two. Let's start off with the Hunters. Yeah. Would you take the Hunters and uh, just, just the Hunters by themselves? Mm -hmm. And if you did, why would you take them? Okay, so if we're looking at just the hunters by themselves, then just a hard no. They are way too weak for what you're paying to play only the hunters. A lot of their value, in fact, half of their shooting value comes from having chargers together with them. So if you're ever looking to bring hunters, you're also bringing chargers. Now, now the question is, are they worth bringing over chargers? That's a different question. And a lot of people are just saying flat out no. They're saying no to the hunters. We're doing only chargers. But I think maybe they have an, a place somewhere. We'll we just have to figure out like how badly do we need the shooting? How much sort of front-loaded damage do we need? Because you can do more single target damage when you both charge in, fight, and shoot twice into like a single unit. So it's going to depend where the meta is. Um, yeah. yeah, I think with the Raptodon hunters individually if you're if you just want like a skirmishy type unit you've got hunters and hawachi you've got your pterodons yeah. and your rap and you've got so many options for this but i think you you're right when it comes to the synergy when you then start pairing it up with the raptodons so th with the charges yeah. that's when the hunters increase their value exponentially yeah exactly and talk yeah, about, but... about the charges now talk about the combination too yeah so chargers are they're their best new unit for sure, at least in Starborn. They are incredible. Like especially like MSU, just five Raptor charges. You don't even have to buff them. You don't have to give them Star Venom. Just chuck those bad boys forward. Make sure you put, you know, the back of your heel on one of the objectives, and they're gonna be slapping real hard. Uh, really heavy damage. Uh, they're squishy. But combined with the fact that you have access to speed of Huanxi hero move, they could move 24 inches and then charge with plus one. So you're looking at a really far threat range. They're a great summon unit. They're a great teleport unit. Um, easily our best new unit for Starborn, I think. Would you reinforce them? 
I haven't tried it out enough to say yes or no. I I can see why you would, but it would also feel very bad to just have like one unit of Bliss Barb Archers shoot off your reinforced unit of charges, you know? Um, maybe. Depends where the meta goes. If we're not doing too much shooting, maybe. But otherwise, I'd really like them as just five of them just running around. And that was going to be my other question. If you wanted to take multiples, would you would you just take two units of charges as opposed to a reinforced unit of 10? And I think the answer is just I, I take think, two, yeah. two units. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Would you take the charges by themselves? Yeah, absolutely. Charges by themselves are no problem because the only thing they miss from not having the hunters is that they don't get the plus to hit on the lances. But like I've alluded to before, you're not usually fighting too many fights at the same time since everything is very squishy. So as long as you just charge in those bad boys by themselves, you can just give them all at attack and you're not really missing out on anything. No, no. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I think in my preview, I had said I would take the charges by themselves. The yep. hunters, I wouldn't. Yep. Um, the combination obviously works really well if you want to take yep. both. But at minimum, charges, yes. Yep. Hunters, no. Agreed. Hunt, charges by themselves, hunters, maybe with the chargers that's, that's i just nice. rather a unit i just rather a unit of like hunters of hawachi it's a yeah. shooting teleporty yeah, yeah. type that, that, that would be what i'd want yeah i hear you for sure so we've talked almost two hours and um now it's to talk about like let's actually bring it together and, and bring some of your ideas to life so um you have provided two lists um uh, one yep. for dracothian's tale one for yep. fangs of sotek um, for the people who are listening on audio um and he, i'll read out the list and you can explain why you chose what you chose and how it all works and the combinations and like tell me tell me about this list right so you've got croak You've got the Ashleth Bearer, you've got the Slan Star Master, which is the General Lord of Celestial Resonance, the Space Fodder Stave, and the Comet's Call. You've got the Skink Star CR with the Speed of Hoachi and Fueled by Gurish Rage, our uh, General Sandbook Season 2 for that stuff. You've got the Skink Oracle on Troglodon with the Sacred Stegodon Helm and the Cosmic Crush. You have two units of five Saurus Guard, two, three units of Skinks with the Moon Clubs and Bucklers. You have a Spawn of Chotek. You have a Chronomatic Cogs and a Soul Snare Shackles wrapped up in a Command Entourage with Magnificent for the extra artifact. Um, and you have gone Battle Regiment to reduce the drops down to four in total yeah. at 1980. So yeah. what is going on here? And uh, I'm curious to hear why you sell me with Croak and the Star and the Slant at the same time. That's a yeah. lot of hero points. Yes, it's a lot of hero points. So, so the first thing you want to look at when writing a list is like, okay, so what's my main source of damage going to be, right? So in this list, it's going to be Croak and Oracle paired together. That's the main source of damage. And already in doing so, we're going to realize, okay we will lock ourselves out of a battle regiment because they're both they're too fat to both be in a battle regiment. So that's why I'm, I'm taking the first decision is I'll just make it a four drop because two and four doesn't really make too much of a difference. You'll, you'll, you'll lose out of the one drops and you might as well take the extra artifact. So that's, that's just the main idea of the drop. So it's going to be four drops. And then why are you doing croak and slam? Well, the reason is it's just because Slan command, it's difficult, right? Because the command trait and the artifact of the Slan is so good 
that you you want the slam. But on the contrary, croak is so good that you want croak. So then why wouldn't you just take both of them, right? So that's that's sort of the main idea. So what every Starborn list I'm writing, I'm writing a little number at the top, which is how many uh, summoning points I can generate every turn. Because it's a really important deal for the list. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just counting, yeah. right? So you got five wizards. Yeah. You got five yeah. wizards there. Yeah. yeah. Croak is a forecaster. Yeah, that's the nine. Slan is a three caster. Yeah, that's twelve. Then obviously the Starseer and the Troglodon is another two. Yeah. The no, the it's doesn't... just two caster even. Ooh, and this, yeah. the Astralith Bearer doesn't cast. It's not a no, wizard. but it gives you a it's point. A, yeah, yeah, it's a node, but it's not a cast, so yes. you don't get any extras. So, yeah, correct. and then obviously the unbinds and the endless spells. So, yeah. so, uh, so basically, with the the command trait for the slant to give you double points whenever he casts, um, you're looking at thirteen points from spells and another five from your heroes. So you're looking at eighteen points in your own hero phase. Eighteen points. And this is not counting the fact that you're going to summon the cogs. You're going to put them behind your own little temple so the enemy can't see them. And then pick them up with the slan right after you're done. So you'll always be 20 points per round, even before you're unbiting your opponent, right? Which is a ridiculous amount of summoning points. Uh, a ridiculous amount. It's almost enough to where if you're going second, you might just summon 10 guards round one. Um, which is hilarious. Oh my uh, god! You could always be summoning a Bastilodon every turn. By the yeah, way, yeah. the uh, the Snake Bastilodon—that's a glow up that people so aren't good. talking enough about. I oh, really so like. Uh, so I really like. It's always the Arc of Sotek. Now, yeah, now yeah. it's like yeah, I love the snakes. The snakes are better than the laser version, and they're cheaper. Like yeah, it's almost like good. they accidentally swapped the points. Like I don't know what happened there, but yeah. The um, so the main idea is. You have this summon slash ability engine that is backed up by this caster package, right? You then, since you're already committing about a million points in your casters, you have to do double guard. Like, I'm not risking running only five guard, I'm doing double guard. And then you're going to need some sort of board presence, so I'm doing three units of skinks. Now, I've decided to be a little bit cute with my skinks, a little bit different from the old ones, where I've given them shields and clubs. You never used to do that. And that's because the clubs nowadays actually have two attacks base instead of getting an extra attacks when they're more than 15. So instead of having the blow pipes where you average, I think, 0 0.8 damage per shooting phase, I just gave them the clubs and they can maybe do two or so damage if they ever get to fight first. It doesn't really matter, but it's just a little bit funny. Uh, and then you have a little bit more points left over. So I'm like, okay, I'm doing Draco Tail. I'll put in a spawn of Chotex so I can deep him somewhere and get that shooting. Um, and then, of course, you need the cogs for all the spells. And shackles are really important. Uh, so I'll tell you the, the idea behind this list. Because I have, like, I made a whole little, a little notepad, you know, like, okay, what spells am I going to cast in what order? Who's doing what? Whatever, right? So, so the idea is you teleport forward the Oracle, right? So you just chuck him out, make sure he's somewhere it'll be impossible to put in somewhere like this bad is, because you can measure 18 with croak spell from the oracle right this is the heroic action right this is the yes. yeah cool yeah so you heroic teleport the oracle the start of the hero phase so and he's now going to stand nine away from the enemy and you can measure 18 from him with croak to your mortals which is 
really far. It means you have to be more than nine behind your screen uh, to be outside of 18. Like it's a really far range. So you teleport him up. Uh, Slan gives everyone plus two cast as his war spell spell. So now the star seer is going to be plus two because it's also in the next to the flag. Slan is going to be plus two. Croak is going to be plus two, plus four to cast. Uh, so you're looking at really high value casting, and you have. So now you put out your cogs with your star seer, hide them behind your little temple. Uh, Slan summons the shackles uh, inside of the enemy unit, like the entire deployment, right? Because you can measure from the oracle, it goes really far with the flag and everything. So you're tagging everything with the shackles. It does its comets call, you do some mortals, you do a little pyramid thing, you do some mortals, and then you bomb four times with croak. Um, what I think you might do actually is you do three times. And then the fourth spell, you have to decide, OK, do I need this mortal, or do I maybe want to do one of the defensive slam options of either minus two wound or removing the rend, right? Um, but yeah, you, and you just unload everything. Um, you do all the spells. You can get up to 18 points. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, after you just take it from there. Like, the first round is going to be devastating. So after you've done all your mortals, what you do is, uh, you move up your all your stuff and you go into the deep strike phase, right? Because you're playing Draco Tail. Did you say just just before we get into this? Did mm -hmm. you say you get plus four to the casting on Croak? Yeah, his his plus two base. It yeah. gets an, another from the flag, and then the Slant's Warshgold spell is all casters gets plus one. Sorry, all casters but himself get plus two cast. Yeah, because I because I'm like. Looking at the Lord of Celestial Resonance, I'm like, wait a second, that's unbind. That's not that's not casting. I just want to do quickly. No, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Thank you. Like, yeah, that's the new slant spell that they yeah. have instead of comments call. So nice, he would cast nice. on plus four. That makes which sense. Is, which is really funny. So okay, so you've deeped your oracle. You've done all your mortals. You've moved up your little guys. Now it's time for your summoning. So now what you do is you activate your little staff with the slant, and you deep strike ten skinks. And where do you put them? Well, you put them outside of seven in front of the Oracle. Now your Oracle has a nice little screen in front of him, so he doesn't even have to be countercharged. So even if they manage to dispel your shackles, which they might not get, so they'll be locked from charging, but if they do, they'll still have to go into Skink's screen in front of the Oracle before they can even get to him. Then on the other side of the table, you're going to be summoning uh, Deep Striking Skinks nine away. And then behind that, you're putting your little spawn of Chotik 12 inches away. So you'll have a spawn of Chotik behind a Skink screen. So you'll just, you'll just completely box them in round one, right? Uh, and it's going to be really difficult to get out of. And I think also a really important decision that you have to make is, I think a lot of the times it might be worth to just, if you're going first at least, just chuck out that little two plus chance to get a five plus award from the stars here. You just do it the first round, just roll the two plus and put the five plus award on the Oracle. And you can be very sleep very like well knowing that he'll be fine with all of his debuffs. Well, you're generating so many CPPs that you don't have to worry, right? Like it's just yeah. I, I will call you out though. You mentioned um, you like to take the spell um, from Magnificent, right? But you've gone yeah. here, and why the extra artifact as opposed to the spell? Yeah. So the reason here why I'm not doing it is because so Croak has the lore. And then, like we said before, on the slant, we're already doing plus two casts because we have so many casters. And we are doing Comet's Call because we want to do the Comet's Call. 
and then we'll the last spell we will save for the shackles. So he you won't need an extra spell. Um, and the same for the stars here. He's going to do the cogs, and then just one extra spell. It's going to be either speed of one, she to make a hero move, or his worshipful spell. So actually. With this list, you don't actually need to have an extra spell because all your spells are already sort of locked. They're predetermined. And you're going to be dispelling your cogs by yourself. So you're going to have to recast them anyway. Uh, so that's the reason for that. And just giving the Oracle an extra save is really important since you're putting so much faith in the Oracle, uh, giving you value back, so to speak. Yeah, no, that make, it makes perfect sense. And it sounds like your damage is really coming from the mortal wounds from the army. Um, yeah. You're playing into a lot more board control, and that's where the skinks yeah. come in, the soul snare shackles, the summoning, and the amount of points you're getting, you're just going to summon to the wazoo, yeah. um, as opposed to like building like this alpha aggressive force yeah. that's going out, just trying to like just absolutely smash your opponent. You're yeah. really d board controlled denial. Yeah, I mean, th this list is, it's more of a, like a, I want to say like a thought experiment, you know, like how wild can we really get with the summoning idea? Um, you're giving up a lot of stuff to be able to do this. Um, you don't have a lot of shit. It's the 10 skin, three times 10 skinks is what you're going to be having out on the board. The rest has to come from your summoning. Yeah, like I'm I'm looking at this, for example, like I'm most recently playing son, my sons, and I know it's a bad time for sons right now, but I'm looking at this going, all I need to deal with is 10 skinks, and yeah, you're going to shoot a bunch of mortal wounds at me, but like yeah. I'm not, my sons isn't actually worried about that. But no. my Stormcast, my Stormcast, I'm like, oh, I can't handle that many amount of mortal wounds, especially yeah. if you generate like, if you do a 10 plus on those comets call, yeah. uh, that's, that's a bad time for my 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 people. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be a very polarizing list. Uh, some matchups are going to be absolutely terrible for your opponent. Like, they won't have any counterplay. They won't have good screens, enough good screens. They won't have any spell ignores, no way to unbind you, and you'll just absolutely demolish them with your spell phase. While others will, for example, Korn will be absolutely awful. I don't even want to think about it. Um, I'm going to cry every time I have to play against Constantinos Korn. Um, and uh, yeah, but it, so it's going to be like I think it's going to be a gatekeeping army if you do this very heavy croak oracle style, where uh, it'll just filter out all the lists that cannot deal with this because they, yeah. they just they won't have the tools to deal with it. If you scale this back a little bit, uh, yeah. let's say you know, I, I do think you're a little bit too aggressive with the the build and maybe not yeah, flexible yeah. enough. If you were to scale back just a little bit, would you drop Croak? Would you drop the Slant Star Master? And if you dropped something, like yeah. what would what would you do to scale it back a little? Like just as a thought experiment. It's so hard. I think the the stars here is isn't the most necessary piece. It's certainly nice. Yeah, it's a two caster for one fifty, so it's effectively three extra points for one fifty. So nice. We don't need it. You don't need the spawn of Chotek. Um, so that already gives you 275 points to play with. Mm. Um, you could probably put some stuff, more other stuff in there for those points. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's hard because, you know, it sort of cascades. You're like, oh, I really want Croak. But if I'm running Croak, I really need this, the flag. And All if right. I'm running Croak and flag, I need the Oracle. 
And oh, if I'm already going for the summon build, why do I not have a slan? Oh, fuck, okay, gotta put in a slan. So, and you just stand there like an idiot with 1,400 points of casters. Um, right. I've broken yeah. the system. I shouldn't have asked yeah. the question. I, no, don't, uh, please. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is a very specifically focused on really maximizing those CPPs. Uh, so yeah, you, yeah. you may, folks at home, you may not want to lead in as much, but um, no. this is a way to like absolutely go ham on your uh, your CPPs. And obviously yeah. the benefits are going to be the summoning and just being able to bring on so many bodies so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. The other list is the uh, the Fangs of Sotek list. So yeah. this is your Ashleth Bearer with your yeah. Slant Star Master General, Lord of the Celestial Resonance, Base Fodder, Stave, Comet's Call, Leadership of the Alpha. Uh, you've got two Skinks. Uh, oh, no, so you've got a, a Skink Star Priest with the Speed of Hoachi and a Skink Star Seer with Speed of Hoachi. Yeah. Uh, you've got a unit of Saurus Guard. You've got four units of Skinks all with the Moon moonstone clubs and bucklers uh three units of raptor on charges two units of uh, spawns of Ch uh, chotek yep. ravaging gnashing gnashing jaws and quicksilver swords coming in in a two drop so this yep. is a double battle regiment yep. uh much much less on the cpps but yeah uh, more more bodies way more bodies than yeah. lastly so yeah. so i i tried to make two contrasting lists as so we can sort of see where we can take uh, starborn as they look at the moment so here you have way more board presence i mean now we're talking seven eight nine units that can all be out on the board instead of the three skinks that we had in the last list so what we're doing here, we're so, it's more of a middle ground. You're still getting plenty of, of points. You're getting six if this, everything goes off from the slam, another three from the, the skink wizards if they go off, so that's nine, and then an additional four from the things. So you're still getting 13 points. 13 points is a lot. But what you're missing is the croak bomb. So you're missing those 12 or whatever D3 mortals, which is a lot of mortals. Uh, but yeah. But you are getting instead a lot of chargers and double sponsored Chotek, which I think is kind of cute. So the, the idea here is you're just trying to be as annoying as possible. You're just trying to put skinks, skinks everywhere, always redeploy them, you know, chargers fight something. If they want to come for the chargers, you redeploy those back. You know, you, you put your spawns behind the skinks, you summon more skinks in front of the chargers, you redeploy everything back. Uh, and you, you're just, you're just like a, attrition you know just slowly 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 you're gonna win by just holding more objectives it's like the main idea you're just running around holding objectives and um i i, th I think the double spawn of chotik is cute uh a fun thing you can do with this list is you gather up your 16 points you summon in a third spawn of chotik and you can give all of them all at attack with the leadership of the alpha from the slam so you'll have three shots with threes and threes if you really need the rend uh, making your Raptor and Chargers run three. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fun list. This one will be difficult to play as well, though. We're, you're very, very susceptible to any shooting. Very squishy. You've mentioned fun on both of the lists. Yeah. Now, you are a very competitive player, so yeah. I, I just want to connect the dots. Are these yeah. just like mid-table fun, or do you think you could do well on at a tournament with these two you know four and one for example so a croak oracle list if you manage to dodge corn and null myriad 
Um, are you, are you seeing common. much? Yeah, like I have not. No one's no, taking I, I, on Miria no, yet. No one, no one isn't. But if, you, if I, th- I think you have to dodge Corn though. I think I don't think you're gonna have a great time against Corn. But if you do dodge Corn, uh, I think you can rule some people, ruin some people's days with this list, yeah. for sure. Um, especially if you can have the choice of going second. Uh, it's gonna be really oppressive if you get the double round with two waves of mortal wounds before they can respond. Yeah, this could be really bad for the Galatian champions right now because there's yeah. a lot of like five wound idiots and yeah. with, with with comments call you just pop them you'll pop them. Yeah, I mean, it, and like if you're lucky, you can pick up all of their small heroes with the comments call and the croak thing, and then they won't even have the chance to dispel your shackles, which is in now in their army. Now they can't even charge you. There's no way to charge you. Yeah. So. Um, it, this is a polarizing list, but it'll absolutely demolish some armies. But you shut down a lot of battle tactics too, because a lot of people are building around, you know, getting, you know, cunning maneuver and all of the uh, united, like all of the the battle tactics. So if you can pull them down quite easily with Comet's Call, which you absolutely can, um, yeah. you shut down a lot of people's power in this particular. But you're right, like Corn's very popular at the moment. How would it go against like KO? Um, you know, Lumineth's doing well at the moment. Nice Slanesh with a lot of debuffs at the moment. Um, yeah, I think so. I think a lot of those matchups. So I think Slanesh would be difficult. They might have too good shooting. Might. I haven't tried it enough out enough yet to tell you for sure. Um, but Corn is going to be a bad time. I will tell you that. Uh, I think KO. If you have a chance to go first. I think you will cripple them enough to where you can win. Because there's, I don't think they have any good way to screen you out. Because they want to be in the boats. Uh, they don't have too many units. They can sort of make this huge bubble wrap around their boats. So you're going to be able to drop the Oracle in there and do those key mortals. And it doesn't matter if the units are inside the boat or outside. You can still pick the Thunders inside the boat as your target, for example. Mm. Um, so I think that... I haven't played enough yet. I mean, it's still a very, very new book. But I, I've got feeling that if you do have the chance to go first, uh, you might be able to cripple them enough to where it'll be difficult for them to sort of come back into the game. I mean, you know, all you need to be able to do is castle up and defend well, right? So if you can pop up that five-up ward, push yeah. out a unit of extra skinks and screen, you can really absorb that um, their turn because they'll they'll be one drop too. So. Yeah, um, that's the problem. If they're if they're one drop um, and they get to go first, they might just do enough damage to just cripple all your magic face. Well, usually they want to go they want to go second so they can go for the double between yeah. one and two. So if they can yeah. get the double, yeah, again that's where your five up wards coming in. But right now you're saying that um, you're feeling good. Obviously, um, this is a brand new book, folks, so we yeah. can't tell you exactly how much practice and thinking and and yeah. exposure it's not even out to most people, but um, I, I like your thinking. Uh, I did say that uh, your Dracothian's tail, I felt maybe was a bit too heavy on the spells, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that's the projection of power and because of the summoning and you can bring on so many bodies so quickly and um, and and maybe, like I look at that, it's just so, it's just so limited on bodies. and It's very limited. Uh, but again, it's I, I, I try to give you more of two very contrasting lists of sort of where can you go with the idea of Starborn, where one of them is really leaning heavily into the Croak Oracle. Of course, you could scale it back. You don't have to have the Slan, you don't have to Starseer, you don't need to bring the Spawn of Choltec. 
now all of a sudden you can still keep your croak bomb but you can fill it out with a bunch of other stuff like meat in your list uh, and and that's what i was going to say folks is that you know this is not to say this is the ultimate list is just a couple of examples of how you're currently thinking you could go one way or the other could you add croxigor could you add more of x or y or you know, do you need the, the slan and the croak? You know, what happens if you didn't have croak? I guess this is all the the benefits we're going to have testing this out and uh, exploring the new book, which is really cool. And you've got so many new units that, um, as we said, the, the Bastilladon, the brand new Bastilladon, yeah. even though it lost the one plus save, um, the snake version of it, as opposed to the, the shooty one, um, I quite like it. I could, I could see that in my list, I, whether it's I, summoned or not summoned. I think croak and like triple snake box is a very real threat um, for sure. Even just the fact that when it, they want to come into your, your snake bast is if they fail the battle shock with a bravery thingy from croak, they'll have to eat 40 snakes before they can even fight. So for sure, Bastillons are looking really good and a, a sort of more reasonable uh, list would probably incorporate at least one of them into the list for sure, I think. And that's where like the pendulum can swing, right? Is you might drop yeah. X and bring in Y. Hey, this, yeah. is, this is like, you know, folks, if you're listening to this and you're still hanging with us, thank you. Like let me know in the comment section, let us know what you're thinking. And, um, you know, Theo and I both obviously, well, I clearly am, but like Theo is an active member in my discord. So like, you know, come into the Seraphon chat. We can talk about things and what you're finding. Um, there's so many units that have had glow ups and changes that I think we've only like scratched the surface, right? You know, we haven't yeah. really talked about, for example, like the terror, the terror wings, um, razodons and um, pterodons. Like, um, yeah. no, no one's really talking about them, and um, there's probably partially reasons why they're just point pointed out. It's just like it's a good idea, but you just don't have the points for them. But I'm yeah. sure there's a list that has them. Um, the hunters of uh, the hunters of Hawachi. They're great. They're good. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. They're good. There's like that's the nice thing with the book. I think there's so many options, and you can really put your own flavor on your list. Um, you want to be mobile? Go ahead and add a lot of skinks. You want, yeah, you want sort of mortal wounds? Okay, go ahead and maybe do some pterodon. So you want like okay, some deep striking. You could do the hunt, hunters of Wanshi. You could do the rippers to sort of just run at your opponent and just charge everything. Like there's so much different flavoring, and that's I, I think they did a great job with the book, and I'm look, really looking forward to see how how the meta sort of progresses and where the list are going to end up. Got a couple of burning questions before we wrap this up. I go to bed because I'm an old man. <laughs> uh, you, you go back to doing your thing. Yeah, exactly. um, I, when I ask this question, I know that every battle plan and opponent is going to be different, but do you have any advice for me on how you deploy? Is there a, any particular combinations, any particular measurements? Um, yeah, you've already yeah. mentioned, obviously, the, the Saurus Guard having to protect the bubble that is Croak and, and, yeah, and, yeah. and Slan, but like, how do you deploy in an average game at least? Yeah, so it depends on your list, of course, a lot. But if you're, I'll start with, if you're running Croak Oracle, which a lot of people are really excited to do because it's a cute new combo, you're going to be wanting to play hella far back. Like we're talking in the corner, nowhere near the middle line. You know, don't don't measure, oh, I can go 13 deep. No, don't even bother, you know, go way back. Put all your stuff way in the corner because you're going to be teleporting Oracle. Doesn't matter how far away he is anywhere. You're going to be summoning out your the, all the things you need on the board from the temple or from Croak or whatever. So you, 
don't put yourself in unnecessary threat ranges. You can be, play really far away. Deploy outside of 30. There's no reason to stand in unbind range. Mm. No point. You can unbind them back. They can't unbind you. So stay real far back. So I, I think that's one of the first things people really need to think about. Like, don't go anywhere near the enemy unless you need to, because you don't have to. Yeah. Um, apart from that, you know, I think if you're doing fans of Sotek, really think about where you want to redeploy. Because you're going to be able to play around with three redeploys per round. So really think about, okay, well, if I stand here and I get a three-inch redeploy, I'll be able to go there. Okay, that sounds good. That's a nice positioning, you know. Do I have space to redeploy or am I putting myself unnecessarily in a corner? Because um, that's going to be like a really huge part of, I think, thanks of Sotic at least for sure. Um, but yeah, otherwise, you know, make sure you have your screens within 18 of, of your croak, so he can bomb back whenever it's your turn again. Um, make sure you know you're like within three of your skinks with your sponsor Chotex so they can bite back after they charge into your skinks. Um, that sort of thing. But I think mainly just be very, very careful with deployment. Play back. Yeah. Let them come to you. You don't have to come to them. You, you, you can just chuck some skinks to one objective, run some skinks to the other. Stay back. Let them come to you. And just do keep mortaling up, you know. <laughs> so maybe this is like imagine this is a warning, right? This is a warning to all your Seraphon friends. Yeah, yeah. How do I beat you? So, and and I I ask this question because what are the danger signs that you as a Seraphon player need to watch out for? Yeah. Um, is it the double turn? Is it someone who has like lots of long range shooting that can yeah. just like what what concerns you the most about uh, an opponent? Yeah. So the obvious one is the spell ignore uh, problem. That one, however, you can't really choose. You either have it or you don't. But I think shooting lists are a very, very obvious uh, problem for Starborn. And just that, like, lists that have enough projection where they'll eat through your guards and start picking off key pieces. So, for um, example, let's say let's say Lumineth Sentinels, long strikes and and Judicators and Stormcast, yeah. double shooting Marathi Bow Snakes, uh, KO obviously yeah. those types of lists. I think lists that that really rely on like sort of volume of die will be ex especially good. Like Bliss Barb Archers, I can tell mm. you already without having tried the matchup yet, it's gonna be bad because. Uh, they're, they're going to have so many die that all your shit will die, or they'll just pick up your oracle round one because you can't stop them from picking up your oracle, right? But I think the, mo the more elite shooting, like maybe Sentinels, I think we might be more resilient too. Because okay. don't, Sentinels don't actually do a lot of damage. They do reliable mortal wounds, but the amount of them isn't so high as one might at first think. But they've got uh, long. I, I'm calling it out because they have long range. Yeah, and yeah. you usually see them double reinforced, so they're usually yeah. a unit of thirty. Yeah. And in some cases, right now, we're seeing them like fifty. People are taking like yeah. fifty sentinels, which is a yeah. lot of shot attacks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Sentinels are are great, but I think high sort of uh, more high volume damage is going to be scarier. Ko shooting is scarier. Blissbarb archers are scarier. I'm not that scared of. Sentinels and long strikes because they're more elite, you know. They're just long strikes. Yeah. 
Yeah, long strikes definitely, and you know yeah. you're hoping for the spike on mortals. Anyway, like yeah. that's not the point. Okay, that, they, that, that's yeah. that's the type of shooting you're worried about. Yeah, the shooting, but I'd I'd say otherwise. Honestly, probably unless you can really very a hundred percent sure destroy the castle, maybe don't bother with the castle. Maybe just pick off all the stuff that's out on the board. Kill the skinks, you know. Kill whatever the spawns, whatever the shit out on the board, uh, and just spread out. You know, grab objectives. Uh, and play that way. You don't. You don't necessarily have to come in. And if if you're seeing, oh, they have ten guard and they summoned another ten, they're they're standing there with twenty guard. Okay, well, let them stand there with twenty guard. You know, kill the skinks, hold objectives, spread out so not everything is in range of the mortal wounds, uh, and win the game that way. You don't have to kill your opponent. I mean, it's a it's a point game at the end of the day. It's the classic advice you give someone who struggles to beat Archeon. It's like, well, don't fight yeah. Archeon. Go yeah. fight everything else. Go get yeah. one, two, and more on your objectives. Go score yeah. your battle tactics. And yeah, they're going to be doing mortal wounds and it sucks. But if they're controlling one objective, two at most, you yeah. should be able to win on points. Yeah, exactly. And if you can kill the Oracle, the Oracle is a great target. Because it, it's a really yeah. important buff piece in the army. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's always one of the first things I go for. Like, you know, it, it makes sense to shoot a croak or uh, the slan that just bounces off and it's frustrating because yep. you can rally, yep. you can yep. Yep. bring exactly. that. Yep. If you take that Ashleth bearer, there's a couple of things that happen. Obviously, the ward is one, the node is another. There's a few things. Um, yeah, yep. it's a sure. protect that, that uh, Ashleth bearer. For sure, for sure. Is there anything else you want to share with me about Seraphon? Okay, we could talk forever, mate. I think yeah, uh, it's, such deep, it's such a deep book um, that sure. we probably could take forever. And again, this is an early thoughts video. So yeah. Um, yeah. you're going to play more games and yeah. you're going to get more practice. And a couple of months' time, there's going to be a new general's handbook. So who knows yeah. what the, the the battle tactics and the meta is going to look like. And Yeah, for sure. But like, is there anything else, like uh, your current thinking that you'd want to share at this particular point? I don't know. Just I'm I'm just really excited to be able to try everything out. Honestly, it's gonna be fun to try out some new different archetypes that you didn't use to be able to play in Starborn. Um, I mean, I'll I'll still try I'll try a few games with my 80 skinks, see how they do. You know, maybe they're still good. Who knows? Uh, you know, I I think you know I've I've been reading a lot of like Seraphon guys talking, and a lot of them are like a little bit pessimistic, I think. They're like, oh, look at this and this and this and that. It isn't as good as before. Look what they did to the engine, whatever. And yeah, sure, a lot of stuff isn't as good as before, but there's plenty of other units to compensate for it. Uh, and while not as sort of very obviously strong like the new Soulbite book and other very recent releases, I think everything is very solid, and I think you'll be able to see it stand up to any meta. Uh, where you'll have you'll have tools for for all occasions for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm feeling that. I think you've got yeah. you play in a lot of spaces. Like it, it just it's always weird, right? Because as I yeah. mentioned, in a couple of months' time, we'll have a new general's handbook. So who knows? Yeah. It yeah. could be cavalry meta, and your agrodons yeah. and your uh, <laughs> exactly. charges are like the best thing ever. It could exactly. be a it could be a new malign sorcery, and there's all these new endless spells, which then croak and friends becomes yeah. like top tier. Yeah, exactly. It's it's. I agree with you. I think um the what's the, what's the old saying? High tide lifts all boats. And I feel like there mm. is much more balance. Like when I used to play against a lot of, I, I played a lot against uh, Sarah, uh, Starborn. He was all the same type of build. Yeah, 
it was the always same. Yep. Slan, Ashley, yeah. Bera. Yeah. You had your, the priest, uh, the star priest. You had your 30 skinks, the guard. And then you're like, okay, nice. I have 300 points left to put in my spin on the list, you know? So, always the same list. Now yeah. I feel like there's actually some diversity. There's some things you can bring to the table. And I feel like um, there's a lot more control on your list. So mm. uh, if you want to yeah. go into the CPPs, you can. Yeah. If you don't want to, I think there's some cool other options to consider. Yeah, for sure. And you'll still be able to rack up quite a lot of them, even if you don't lean into it. So very flexible, for sure. F final question for you. Mm -hmm. When the next Ser when the next Seraphon book comes out, or maybe like the Dawnbringer Crusades, yeah. if you could add one unit to the book, Oof. what would you what, would, what what do you think Seraphon's missing? And I, I assume based on this whole conversation, it's going to be something that has this this the priest keyword. I was I was just gonna say, can we just add back the old skin priest? Is that an option? <laughs> no, of course, of course, a priest would would be great, but. Mm, apart from that, I don't know. I think the the thing I'm missing the most, which is the biggest change from the old book, is sort of the the high value shooting. Right? You used to have so much shooting: the skink blocks, the stegs, the basties. All that shooting has been scaled down. So maybe a strong shooting unit, but maybe that'd be too good, you know? Because now you have a better magic face, you have a better melee face. So you're gonna have to take some else somewhere, but um, yeah, maybe like a strong mid-range shooter would be nice to have. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm trying to think of what else I'd want because I said on the uh, the coalesced one, I clearly want monsters, the dinosaurs that don't have yeah. mounts, like fer yeah. feral ones. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have to think about this one. I actually don't know. Like, obviously, like uh, by the way, I just want to pay my respects to uh, the Dreadsaurian who. Oh yeah. Uh, in, like in the old vid in the last video with Basil, it was still around as of like the, the other day. It's now in uh, it's, yeah. it's in the the monstrous yeah. Arcanum graveyard. So yeah. sorry, sorry, Dreadsaurian. Um, Rip. I remember playing against the Dreadsaurian a lot in first edition, and it terrorized me. That massive base, it was huge, right? It was a ginormous monster. It's uh, like I'm, putting I'm, a, a plate on the table. It's ridiculous. I'm just sad that my Mega Gargans <laughs> never got to fight it. Um, so it's my one regret. Imagine suplexing a Dreadsaurian. Oh, my God. Don't, don't. You, you live uh, for those those kind of days. <laughs> oh, I would suplex that to the moon. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Theo, is there anyone that you want to shout out? Any, anyone want to say hello to? Uh, by the way, uh, you are in my Discord. Are you on Twitter? Or um, yeah, I'm, I'm on I'm, yeah, I'm on Discord and on Twitter. I'm uh, at Thymius uh, on Discord. Uh, you'll find me in Coach Chat and Twitter as well. I think it's Thymius2 on Twitter. I lost my old account. <laughs> but uh, I mean, you're, you'll find me places. But yeah, just um, shout out to Sweden gang, especially my, my West Coast homies at the Gothenburg Tabletop Gaming. Shout out. Um, yeah, that's all for me. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was um this was great. And folks, I hope you have enjoyed both Seraphon discussions. So hopefully now you've got a robust uh thinking and at least heard some people's opinions. If you want more opinions, like you know, um Warhammer Weekly had a great video with um Anthony and Ridge who shared their thoughts as well. So 
between a bunch of us, hopefully you've got some initial thinking. I don't think anyone knows the right answer. I know people still trying to work out how maim and tear works. Oh, uh, we are, we are, no, but we're still very early on. So, so get those thinking. And my advice to you is get into discussions, whether it's on the uh, Facebook page for Seraphon, whether it's in my discord, get yeah. talking with other people and, uh, and you know, the ideas will come and you'll become a better player and a better thinker about maximizing this book. But for you, Thank you so much for your time. This was you. highly enjoyable and highly uh, knowledgeable. A lot of lot of great knowledge that hopefully I don't ever see that that seraphon bloody mortal wound double space you're gonna, lizard list. You're going to be seeing it. You're going to be seeing no. it. <laughs> no. no, please don't. Please don't. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Theo. I hope you enjoyed this discussion. You know the dealio. Like, subscribe, all that stuff. Comment below. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thanks. See ya. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. Now, if you did, I would love it if you press like on the video, as well as left me a comment with your thoughts. The conversation will continue over on Discord, and the link is down below in the episode description. I also want to give a massive shout out to the AOS Coach patrons and YouTube members who are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you are all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a double one on a spell cast.